2: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.
1: Price and coverage match limited by state law.
3: The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 non-stop destination for A's baseball. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Mars Lafayette,
1: Pinder, Just keep it going. Has doubled, struck out, and singled. Three hits in the series. Right-hand batter, right-hand pitcher. The offer breaking ball that sailed toward right, down the line, in the corner. Tucker giving chase at the wall, reaches. He can't get it. Oh. It's gone into the
3: seats, and the game is tied. Chad Pinder sails one the opposite way on Josh James, and the A's still have a heartbeat. They've come off the deck. They've tied the game at seven. And here's the pitch by Hendricks. And it swung on and missed. So it's a fastball by him. Ninety eight. And Hendricks works out of it. And Reddick slams his bat against his knee and breaks his bat in frustration as the Astros lead runners at second and third. And Hendricks keeps the Astros off the board. One ball, one strike. Nobody on base. Two out. His lead nine seven. Hendricks from the stretch. They just have the shift on the infield, and Brantley pops it up, and that's going to be playable into left field. Robbie Grossman is right there under it, and he makes the catch, (laughs) and the A's have won it. Wow. And a throwback three-inning save for Liam Hendricks at the end of an epic battle between the A's and the Astros, and the A's come all the way back. Five home runs and then some for the Athletics, and the Oakland A's have forced A game four tomorrow. Here's Chris
1: Townsend. It's a simple question. You got eight teams left. Who stays? Who goes? Every game today is an elimination game. That's where we're at. We know what the A's deal is. Frankie Montas is going today. We still, at this point, at 9.02 a.m., Uh have no idea who the Astros are going with. Dusty Baker has not announced it. Brian McTaggart, who is the beat writer that covers the Astros for MLB.com, hasn't announced it yet. I've looked at his Twitter account. We don't know. This tournament's Fascinating. And for all the haters out there that did not want this turn, this is not what baseball is all about after 162 games. You can't tell me this is not compelling. There's been some great baseball going on. Down at Petco Park, in Arlington, with the Dodgers and the Padres. Maybe not so much in Houston with with the Braves and the Marlins. But everybody in these four series today, there could be an elimination. The Yankees could go home and the Padres and the Marlins and the A's. Who's going and who's staying? Can the A's stick around? Remember, the stat was pretty simple. Teams that go up 2-0 in a best-of-five series have won 88% of the time. And that, to me, means. So you saying there's a chance? It's not 100. It's 88. And if you can get a win today, boy, do you flip that script, as they like to say. Because now you're on your heels. Now you went up two nothing. You've lost two straight, and there's an elimination game on Friday. You're now getting into what we talked about before the series started, the weakness of the Astros. They're starting pitching, their bullpen. You're now exposing it. How much can the A's continue to expose it? Give the Astros credit. Two straight wins. They did it behind their lineup, and their lineup still has some scary names in it. But yesterday, the A's, A's, as Vince said, got off the deck and finally knocked the Astros to the canvas. What can they do today behind Frankie Montas? This is what playoff baseball is all about. All right, coming up here at 9 30, Steve Sparks, the knuckleballer, calls games for the Astros. Former A will be here at 9 30. Himbo, Paul Himbakitis from ESPN at 10 a.m. One of the top names in baseball when you talk about media, Buster Olney from ESPN at 1030, and then the general manager show, David Forst, is going to be here at 11 o'clock. I cannot wait. This is what it's all about. Commander, how are you this morning?
4: I'm excited. I'm excited to see Frankie Montas versus TBD, because we don't know who it is. Selfishly, I want to see Grankey come back and pitch just because I want to see Grankey pitch in the postseason, but I think we might – I'm leaning more towards it's going to be Christian Javier, the uh, nice young rookie that the Astros have, who the A's, of, I believe, face in the regular season. I didn't get a chance to do a deep dive on the starting pitchers because I was waiting to see who was going to be, but uh, I'm excited for this game today, and you're right with all the elimination games today. I, that Dodgers-Padres game last night was exciting. Not so much the not not so much to raise Yankees with Dodgers Padres was between the bat flip, the hat and glove throw, the Bellinger catch, all in that same span, and then Kenley Jansen and what happened with him in the ninth inning again. Uh, there was a lot of drama, and that series is interesting because those two teams are going to battle for the next couple of years.
1: Well, it's one of the uh, it's one of the great debates in baseball from old school to new school. And it just shows that whenever you get into this, let the kids play. The kids don't play nicely in the sandbox. And I I mean, I mean, the whole time it, it, it's been pretty ridiculous. They make it seem like it's the old school. I mean, I mean, to be honest with you, it's the old school Caucasian guys that don't like to. Rah, 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 and that's like I've always sat back and went, wait a minute. You know they they make it oh it's Hunter Strickland doesn't like okay, um if you look at what Kansas City, remember Kansas City gotten all those dust ups? If you remember back the players in that, uh the players in last night's game. So you're gonna tell me Manny Machado's gonna hit a home run, turn around, throw his bat back to his dugout, and yell, come on! And then a couple innings later, he's going to get mad at the pitcher Gratterall for throwing his glove and his hat because Bellinger made a great play. And he's going to – and, man, is one of the great fake tough guys of all time. But that's just – so. so when can the kids play? That's always been the thing for me. You know, when can guys get excited and when, you know, when are you going to get mad? I mean, that was a joke. How about Manny Hosmer is back-to-back, right? Hosmer hits the home run after Manny. Manny's jumping out of the dugout and yelling.
4: Yeah, back-to-back. So
1: that's okay. Manny can do that. But Gratterall can't throw his hat in his glove, and now he wants to act like he wants to fight the Dodgers. Now, did he run at the Dodger dugout the way our guy Ramon Laureano did? Uh, no. <laughs> he, he, he like, goes towards home plate, starts pointing at guys. And then Manny Machado hits one back up the middle against Gratterall. They end up throwing him out at first, and he runs by Gratterall. Does he do anything? Does the fake tough guy do anything? Nope. So when can the kids play? When can Acuna? See, That's it's been the thing that's always rubbed me wrong is if you're going to bat flip and you're going to have all these antics and you're going to have that slow trot around the bases, you're going to do all that, then the pitcher's got to be able, as my man Trevor Bauer likes to say, you got to allow the pitchers to strut their stuff and do whatever they want. And by the way, Bauer's been fabulous on Twitter. Do you see him trolling all the different teams? He's trolled the Yankees. He's trolled the Padres. Hey, one more starting pitcher. I think you guys would be good. But, you know, if if you're going to have your antics and you don't want people throwing at you, then you gotta ask yourself, what do pitchers get to do? I mean, because Gratterall is celebrating Bellinger robbing a home run, so he's not celebrating striking somebody out. He's not celebrating by you know by beating you. He got lucked out by uh, by by Bellinger throws his hat and, and you're saying that's disrespect. This is where, okay, what are the rules? What are we playing by? How do you how can you celebrate? where people don't get offended. I I mean, watching Manny Machado last night, that was just, you know, I had a buddy from San Diego say, I'm so happy Manny's on my team. I responded with, I'm so happy Manny's not on my team. I'm so happy he is not an A. I would not want to deal with him. on. Like, it may happen someday, but as of right now, I'm so glad I don't have to watch that guy. I don't have to watch that guy on a daily basis. I don't have to interview him. You know, I wish Josh Donaldson would have smoked him years ago. Remember that when he pulled out with Donaldson there in Baltimore. Donaldson would. Donaldson's a real tough guy, by the way. Donaldson would have ripped him apart. I just. I, I am so not a Manny Machado fan. It's unbelievable.
4: But he is trying this year. So that yeah, there's yeah. that. He only signed a ten year deal for three hundred million, and in year two, he's finally trying.
1: Oh, he's such a bad dude. Um, But, yeah, exciting. I mean, how about the Rays? How about the Rays? They are tough, man. And the Yankees are up against the ropes. I mean, mean, the the Rays, does anybody want to play the Rays right now? Would you want to play them? They're just hot as a team. They're hot. Everything's going their way. Even though Giancarlo Stanton, don't call me Mike, hit another home run. That's six home runs already for him. I want to say impressive, but I don't think home runs are impressive anymore. This is we we are playing. They have they have doctored the baseball again. There's I is there any question? All the home runs we're seeing. I mean, we're we're acting like pitching is just garbage. Pitching's not garbage these are the best teams in baseball and just it's 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 home run after home run after home run you know so it's like it's like hey, that guy I had a caller yesterday on the Ace Clubhouse show you know a pinder played every day he could hit 25 30 home runs well I think I mean who can hit 25 30 home runs with this ball you just get the ball in the air and it's gone Like every fly ball, Chris Davis had a ball yesterday. It was a fly ball. And you're like, is that going to be out? And it was like shallow center. But that's how you feel. You just hit the ball in the air, and this Titleist Pro-V has a chance to go out. It it is literally ridiculous. Uh, Where's our good doctor? When is she going to come on the program? When is she going to dissect one of these? When's Meredith going to? uh dissect one of these balls because I, I, I gotta see it because it's it's that ball John Carlos Stanton hit the center field yesterday at Petco Park. It looked like if you look at that swing, that's not like a swing where you look like you got all of it. And that thing's way out in center field.
4: That that home run he hit the other day, by the way, I, I forgot to bring it up with you yesterday that home run he hit to the uh the tequila deck or whatever up there and uh in the third deck in at Petco. It went like 458 feet. That was not the longest home run. It was actually the fifth longest home run hit at Petco Park. Number one was the Franimal, Franmil Reyes, that won that went to 479 feet. But you're right about Stan. I mean, it, I mean, he makes it look so easy hitting a home run, so he might be a bad example, but some of the other guys, like there were two balls in the A's-Astros game yesterday, both to right field, when Murphy had the sack fly and Pinder had the sack fly. It, it looked like both those balls to right field, I thought they were going to go out the way that Tucker was tracking the ball. I was like, Are are those, like, lazy fly balls going to go out of the ballpark? But they were both sack flies, but still, like, you're right. Like, the ball's just flying again, and, you know, I love home runs as much as anyone, but, you know, I think we're up to 53.5% of runs scored this postseason now are coming off of home runs. So that number went up since yesterday. It was, like, a 52.9. It's just crazy how many home runs are being hit this postseason when last postseason we saw home runs decline. Remember the the Muncie ball that he hit that looked like it was going to be a moonshot, and it was – it was a – fly out to the, the warning track at Dodger Stadium. So uh there's definitely something going on with the baseball because we're seeing, what, the Yankees have 14 home runs as a team, the A's have 13, the Rays have, like, I think, 12, and then the Astros have uh, eight or nine. Like, that's, that's ridiculous through, what, six postseason games?
1: <laughs> I mean, that's unreal. It really is unreal. But, you know... I'll just keep saying it because we had actually a caller in the uh, post game show yesterday actually complain about it. And I'm going to stick with my theory. I've never seen people not get excited, the home team, it's a home run. I've never seen at a Warrior game where they say too many threes. I've never been to a football game. Where they said Scott, stop scoring touchdowns. We don't like touchdowns. There's too much scoring. Never seen that. People like scoring. There's too many goals. The Sharks scored too many goals. I've never seen that. So it's just it. it I mean, this is what fans like. And I, and for baseball, this is kind of a a a, a grand time when your sport is thriving i mean let's face it nba's in trouble man their ratings are in the toilet nfl ratings are down how were the hockey ratings i i didn't i didn't uh, i didn't see how 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 did the stanley cup do i didn't
4: see full numbers on it but i do know that i read something because i think we played it before where max kellerman ripped the nhl like oh no one cares about the nhl Apparently ESPN's trying to buy the rights to have e- hockey on ESPN again, like they did back in the day. So it shows you the po- the popularity of hockey might be starting to grow a little bit because if ESPN's trying to get into it, then that means that something's going on. But I'm sure that the ratings were okay. I mean, it was Tampa versus Dallas. Those aren't big hockey markets when you think of the NHL, but still something well, that was well, different. Well,
1: for Lightning, they've won. that. They're, they're a repeat Stanley Cup champion now. Yeah, the well. great – Tampa Bay Lightning.
4: Well, yeah. I mean, when you talk about winning two in the 17-year span, it is pretty impressive if you think about it. But, I mean, Dallas has won one a couple years prior to the Lightning. But I'm sure the – rating. I, I mean, I could probably find the ratings. But, uh, I mean, I watched some of the games. I mean, once once the Penguins are knocked out and the Sharks weren't in, I kind of just was just watching for the, the bigger star players. But I still followed. I couldn't tell you if the last NBA playoff game I watched. Once the Sixers were eliminated, I was like, I don't care.
1: Well, you, you're like a lot of other people. It's a historic low ratings for the NBA Finals, despite LeBron and the Lakers, market number two being in it. But baseball, I mean, if this is what people want and people are watching, I know people are, I mean, I got people, uh, friends of mine that don't live in the Bay Area, constantly texting me watching the A's games. Let's face it, people are at home. People are watching baseball right now. I think baseball's thriving. I can't wait to see the numbers when this is all said and done throughout the playoffs and the postseason. You know, I hate how all of a sudden it goes to TBS and FS1. That drives me nuts. I mean, if it was was on like a standard cable channel, like ESPN for sports, I got to tell you, I never got – I can't tell you where FS1 is on my dial, and then all of a sudden I have to go find it. Whether it's a college football game or now baseball playoffs, but when that's not going on, I never go to FS. I don't even what what is even on FS1. What do they even air?
4: It's mainly like uh, what First Things First and the the skip in and skip, uh, Shannon Sharp Show. Colin not Coward.
1: Watching. Not watching. I got uh a... wrestling. I I've, I've seen whoa. wrestling.
4: Whoa! 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 Don't don't I've you dare him, yeah. slander WWE Smack, Friday I'm Night SmackDown
1: hey. SmackDown. <laughs> Back in the day I was into wrestling when I was a kid. Yes. I was a big macho man, Randy Savage fan. Oh yeah, the macho man. I you know, Hogan. Hey, how do you know I mean Hulk Hogan fought for our country against the likes of the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkoff. I remember those days. <laughs> The great Ric Flair, the 14-time world champion.
4: To be the man, you got to beat the man.
1: Right? Come on. Rowdy Piper. And he had Piper's Corner. I mean, I mean come on. Well, uh, Jesse Ventura. The Body, yeah. The I body think- had, He had to show the Body Shop. I used to watch. It's just I grew up. And yeah. stop watching wrestling.
4: It's nowhere near the same from that era or even when the Attitude Era happened with Stone Cold and the Rock Rock. The wrestling's nowhere even close to what it was. Uh, our boss, Matt Pearl, the professor, sent me the ratings for the Stanley Cup final. Game six, where Tampa Bay shut out Dallas, was the highest rated game of the Stanley Cup final. But uh, compared to last year's final between the Blues and Bruins, it was down 60%, it seems like. they're averaging. It was a 1.2 rating this year with uh, averaging around 2 million viewers, where last year they were getting around a 3.0 and about 5.3 million viewers. So the Boston-St. Louis market.
1: Hockey's down?
4: It looks like hockey was down
1: this year, yeah. So you got NBA down, you got NFL down, and you got hockey down. Ask a professor about baseball because there's no way baseball's down. There's no way. I mean it's really early too. We've had a wild card series, we've had but it's shocking to me more people are at home than I can't even remember. And sports. Now I know golf has done well. You'd think every you think everybody's ratings are up. You'd think everybody's ratings are up. And they're not. It's kinda it's kind of it's weird. Because we were all jonesing for sports. I also wonder about college football. Because no. college football? I I I'm watching. You kidding me? You don't think I was watching TCU take down Texas last Saturday? Oh yeah, I'm watching. There
4: have been a lot of upsets too, which makes college football a little more exciting this year. Uh, yeah, I don't think anyone's going to beat Alabama, but uh, the college I'm football.
1: Alabama. That 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 that
4: chalk is over.
1: They're not. They're not the. They're not even winning the SEC for God's sake.
4: Whoa, who is LSU? Yeah, Hot
1: take. Hot L- take. Thursday.
4: LSU's not. They don't have. Hey, I'm telling you what. Joe Burrow's not walking through those doors.
1: <laughs> uh mighty Joe got his first win. By the way, that was interesting to see. Um, you know, days like this. I I don't know why I woke up. I I feel great. Like yesterday, I don't know. You know, yesterday I looked back and I, oh, God, we're going to do the show and I got to figure out what we're at. Today I woke up, I'm ready to rock. I haven't felt this good in a while. I didn't feel good in the White Sox series. Uh, there were times where at my stomach, I just I had knots in my stomach. I don't know. And maybe maybe I'm wrong. I don't know how you feel, Ace fans, but I wake up today and I'm like, let's go. And we might just have the right guy on the mound. You know, you survived Jesus Lazardo, which by the way, if anybody comes on the program again and calls him great, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to politely stop them and go, uh, that's not the case. Did you hear the post game show yesterday when I or I, I ran his numbers for uh September to now, Cody? Uh
4: I heard some of it, but I didn't hear that part. And I do have breaking news once you're done.
1: Jesus Cesardo, since the start of September, has a 5.45 ERA. Now, if you think that's great, then we're going to have to have a talk about what the definition of great and greatness really is. This kid's not great, and I'm not picking on him. I think he has potential to be special, but potential is a scary thing. You cannot say that Jesus Lizardo is a great pitcher. He is a tremendous thrower of the baseball right now. But he's not greatness. I can go back and give you greatness of young pitchers. I don't want to do it again. I'm not going to go back and bring up what Dwight Gooden looked like or Brett Saberhagen or young pitchers who led their teams to championships. I'm not going to do that. This kid's not it yet. And it's going to be interesting to ask David Forrest about that, to, to say, okay, I I, I I think for his resume, it's been good to get him into a wild card game, have him pitch game one. You you didn't survive that. You survived yesterday an elimination game. He's starting to build a little bit of a resume, which is good to see. And hopefully he's going to get an opportunity in the ALCS at Petco Park this year. But if you think that he's going to, you know, you th- people act like he's just going to go out and shove. Well, when's the last time you've watched him go out and shove? This isn't double A. This isn't A ball. This isn't high school where he's been able just to go out and be better than everybody else. This is the big leagues. I don't need to go over his numbers. you see him striking out a ton of people? Do you see him dominating a bunch of bad-at-bats? I don't see that. Am I wrong on that, Cody? Are you seeing some dominating pitcher that everybody's afraid of?
4: Not right now. Uh, Not since September started. I I mean, he looked – he shows flashes in some of his starts. And you know he has the potential and the stuff to be an elite starter. He's just not there yet. He's 23 years old. Like some guys. Oh
1: wait a minute! I'm watching Ginger Guard Dustin May go out there and blowing people away. How old is he?
4: I think he's 22. I think they're run the same age. Okay, I'm watching this
1: redheaded kid from Tex. He's from Texas, right? That sounds about right. I'm watching him go out there, and there's a lot of uncomfortable at bats against him. Uncomfortable. Now, I, I think Jeff Blum is correct. I mean, we're all in this era of throw as hard as you can till you need Tommy John, you know, throw till you blow, as as Jeff Blum said, which is kind of sad, but I think that's uh, where we are with pitching. And when I think about Steve Sparks throwing 100 miles an hour back in the day, that was mm. fun to watch. I mean, when you were throwing 101, what was that like?
5: You It it's kind of like uh, when I would uh... – go skeet shooting, you know, stuff that would just kind of fly across. And, uh, you know, I closed one eye a lot of times and crow hop. When I pitched, I was kind of revolutionary. But, uh, yeah, 101 was was pretty frequent. And, and back in those days, it was just me and Sid pitch.
1: <laughs> we were talking to uh, Jeff Blum about this, and, and Jeff, Jeff was like, you know, it's kind of sad. It's it's throw till you blow, but that's kind of like what we're seeing <laughs> is everybody just throw as hard as you can till you need Tommy John. And John Smoltz, the Hall of Famer, has said it right, and I want to get your opinion on this. Are we going to get to a point where we're going to run out of pitchers?
5: No. I, I think uh, every time I go uh, down to the minor league field in spring training, I see about 75 more of them. So they're just going to keep filtering them through there. And uh, just keep blowing gas. I mean, the Astros have a boatload of those types of pitchers down in the minor leagues. They really do. They've got guys that are throwing 95 uh, as soon as they wake up. So I don't know what it is. You know, I, I asked a buddy of mine who's a, who's a, a pitching coach at, at junior college, and he's a longtime big leaguer, Woody Williams. You probably remember him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But And I asked him, I said, why are guys throwing so much harder now? He thinks – he, I mean, he straight-faced me, and I don't think he was messing around. He just said, I think it's the, the additives in the food we eat. I, I just think guys are bigger and stronger. And whatever's in that, that food, a lot of that processed food might have a little touch of steroids in there, and guys are just blowing.
1: And probably even crazier that, than the velocity being on the uptick is the fact that the hitters – it doesn't phase them anymore. We're seeing guys. I mean, you're seeing guys turn around 98 miles an hour. Like it's nothing. So as the, as, as the guys throw harder, you grow up seeing it and now you get to the big leagues. I mean, you've been watching it. We've been watching it. It's like, it's, it's the velocity doesn't phase these hitters anymore.
5: It doesn't, especially if there's no deception, deception in a delivery. And, i tell you what, you, you take a guy who's a, a cookie-cutter delivery and opens up just a little bit. It looks like it's coming from center field, I think, to the hitters. So I like a little deception, uh, it, somebody that throws across their body or has a little bit of a, a hitch in their delivery, and you ha- add deception to maybe a, a 93 or 94-mile-per-hour fastball. I think that plays better.
1: A great example is the guy we had going yesterday, Jesus Lizardo. He's got a terrific arm. Uh, everybody's like, oh, he's got such mm-hmm. stuff. It's like, yeah, he's got stuff, but everything's hard. Pretty much everything's on the same plane. He doesn't, mm-hmm. he doesn't change the sight lines for hitters. And for a guy who has such good stuff, he gets barreled up a lot. What did you see with our guy Jesus Lazardo? I, I
5: think that's a, a big part of it. And what I see with him, what I've seen a couple of times, and I've watched him on television is somebody who overthrows in inopportune times. I mean, he's got a big arm and he's probably been able to throw it by guys his entire life. So when the moment gets a little bit bigger, rather than kind of slowing things down and your heart rate slowing down and uh, concentrating more on location than velocity, that, that extra added velocity you're trying to get usually doesn't give you anything other than mislocation and that's when you get hurt the most. So. I still think he's got a little bit to learn about changing speed, maybe, and dialing it back a little bit with his fastball and his breaking stuff in big moments.
1: So are we going to see Christian Javier today for the Astros?
5: At some point, I think they will. I don't think to begin with.
1: Are they going to go opener?
5: No, I think they'll go Grinky.
1: Really? What? What? what yeah. t- so... Wh- like there there's we haven't really got the full report maybe you guys got it back in Houston but he no, had nobody got it nobody got it yeah he had an mri or he had an x-ray something he went and see a doctor what what's going on with him
5: well we didn't hear that he got an mri all we all we heard was that he had some arm soreness he wasn't himself his last two starts so they wanted to get it checked out and you know what he doesn't talk very much you guys have, have read the stories and heard the stories they just uh, keeps to himself quite a bit. So when somebody like that has something going on, uh, then the communication gets lost every once in a while. So uh, I don't think anybody wants to divulge at this time uh, of the season uh, what exactly is going on. But I'm just guessing, and I and I don't know firsthand, or, or I don't know for sure, but I'm guessing Grinky pitches. They go as long as he's pitching well, and if they are tied – or if they had the lead uh, somewhere in the middle of the game, then I think uh, Javier would come into the game, try to bridge it to Paredes and Presley. Otherwise, uh, if he gets knocked out early, I think that Luis Garcia gets into the game, they ride him as long as possible, and then start start Javier tomorrow.
1: Well, obviously, it's a a do or die. If the A's are able to pull this out today, Mm -hmm. how does that flip the script for game five?
5: Well, it, it would be reminiscent of what the Astros went through last year. They got, they got up 2 nothing on uh, the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, then Tampa won the next two games. The difference is game five that the Astros, it, just from the scenarios that we were talking about just now, they don't have Garrett Cole waiting in the wing for game five like they did last year when he went eight innings and struck out 10 guys and, and they cruised to a 6-1 win. They got exposed. I mean, we were just holding our breath the first four games of the playoffs. Uh, You know, there's certain portions of the bullpen that's been very inexperienced and and very wobbly uh, as far as their command issues go. And Oakland can take advantage of that very easily uh, with their patience. So uh, it got exposed yesterday to the tune of five runs in four and two-thirds innings. Uh, We'll see what happens today. But uh, definitely you see a little bit of a, a momentum shift. The thing that you, you take a little solace if you're an Astros fan is that uh, for the first time all year long, the team's swinging the bats well. You know, they're hitting three oh two in this series, averaging better than seven runs a game. And we didn't see anything close to that during the regular season. Uh, but we're starting to see some signs of life uh, for with about four or five different uh, hitters in their lineup now.
1: So the rumors out there right now is that if you uh, take the cover off the baseball Actually, inside, it says Titleist Pro V1. Uh yeah. It is, I, watching all of these games, I'm trying to watch every game, and I'm just, I'm like, the juice ball is back. I And 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 people love it. Good for baseball, trying to get the ratings and the interest, but the amount of home runs and how far these balls are going, it's great. I mean, how about Chad Pender's ball down the right field line? <laughs> it's like, yeah. I can't, I mean, every ball that goes in the air, at least in this series, it's going out of the ballpark.
5: Yeah, and it's really difficult as a broadcaster when you're watching it on a, on a monitor to begin with, uh, thinking about a, maybe a, an infielder going opposite field home run. You just don't – you can't anticipate that. But now, you know, I, I mean, it's almost commonplace now for a ball in the air. You just – you've got to lag as a broadcaster. Do, you know, I do three innings of play-by-play and you've got to lag about two or three seconds so you can finally get the camera shot to the outfielders and <laughs> watch them start to drift back toward the warning track because you don't know what's going to happen when the ball's in the air. You know, Good for Oakland, man. They are launching right now. They're getting everything in the air like you should be. Why wouldn't they? Five homers yesterday, ball's jumping like it has been. Uh, that I think that's the, the perfectly right approach uh, t- to go and, and try to swipe this series back away from the Astros.
1: So you guys had to move, right, because of the uh, NLDS between the Marlins and the Braves is now at Minute Maid. You had to go to a new studio, correct? Yeah,
5: that's what we did. You know, and it's the same setup basically. We've been in our in our broadcast booth at Minute Maid Park all year long, but it's basically a fifty-five inch screen TV and then a couple of monitors with uh, uh, nine screen split screens for, for the other stuff. So, you know, you're you're uh, Darting your eyes back and forth, uh, looking for infield shifts, going to the all-mind, you know, shots from the cameras, and, and doing some different things, and looking at positioning and where the outfielders are. But uh, it's the same thing. We're back in the studio. It's a little bit more, you know, plush, I guess, in a in a studio. But you know, you've been in plenty of studios. It's cold. I mean, you almost have to wear a, an overcoat into a studio because of all the lights that they have in those places.
1: You know, speaking of the shift. I can tell you, in two series, I've seen the A's get burned multiple times where you're looking at routine ground balls to second base have just really affected. As a pitcher, would you have liked the shift or would you like more of a standard defense behind you?
5: Well, at the very beginning of a lot of these shifts, uh, uh, a lot of the brain trust with the Astros front office called some of us into the office to talk about some of the stuff they were gonna be doing. And, you know, I think uh, to their credit, they just wanted to kind of stay ahead and be good communicators and and get their message out there because they were gonna experiment a little bit too. And back in 2013, they didn't have a good team. Why not try to formulate a little bit of this data and see if it works? And at the beginning, I was saying, you know what? You're really handcuffing a pitcher. If if you're gonna put three infielders on one side and you're gonna make a pitcher, pitch to one side of the plate. You're really handcuffing him to try to pitch into that ship. And what they told me, and I didn't believe them at the time, but they told me, they said, it doesn't matter. That what we're seeing is because of the data, it doesn't matter if you throw it outside. We're still seeing tendencies. You know, It's not going to happen every time, but the tendency, and if you're playing the numbers, is that a guy's still going to roll over on those pitches. I didn't believe it at the time, but through time, I came to, to agree with them. I, I, I totally understood where they were. So, you know, they, they've got uh, situations like, uh, you know, later in the game when it could really burn them. Uh, they, they will not be as aggressive as they normally are with some of those shifts. And I like that. And they're also taking a look at the other side. If you're going to put three guys on the right side of second base with Michael Brantley uh, up at the plate in, in a situation where, he can just inside out a ball. That is not smart. I mean, you got to know the hitter. And if he can, if he can manipulate the bat angle and, and shoot a hole like a Michael Brantley, you shouldn't do it. Uh, especially when it, when it matters most. So it's going to be glaring in the playoff. Uh, Chris, it, it's going to stick out more than usual uh, when you get burnt, especially in a lot of these type games.
1: Yeah. There was a great article this off season. I can't remember who the front office guy was. I think he's gone to work for the Mets, but uh, they did the, They did some data where it showed that pitchers end up walking more people when the shift mm. is on. And as we know, you walk more people, you end up giving up more runs. Pitcher is uncomfortable. So it's like, okay, you're going to take away some hits, but you're also going to walk more guys. And that means yeah. more guys are going to start. So it kind of evens itself out.
5: Well, that's on your pitchers, you know, and we're seeing more guys uh, walk guys anyway, because they're, they're nibbling a little bit too much. You know, if you're going to put those shifts on, uh, the, the one thing that I don't like about the shift, you know, number one is killed power left-handed hitters like a Brian McCann or a Ryan Howard. I think if hitters like that, that when you hit it on the ground, no question you're out because basically your second baseman's playing 15 steps into the outfield grass and he can cover everything and you're slow to begin with. Uh, one thing I miss uh, because of the shifts is the hit and run. You never see that because the hit and run was designed to open up a hole uh, by having one of the, your middle infielders uh, to go cover the bag. You open up a hole and you get a guy who can move the bat around a little bit and shoot the hole the other way. I miss that play. I, I love the hit and run or even the run and hit, and uh, that's been taken away. I haven't seen that probably in the last three, four years, maybe – three times at the most
1: I asked Bob Melvin who managed Ichiro in Seattle I asked him I said Bob what, what would happen if you shifted hmm. against Ichiro he said he'd hit 800
5: yeah I was about to say man that's that that'd be like taking candy from a baby the way he could manipulate the ball I don't understand uh I, I thought by now more guys would bunt you know and, and I guess the play is is you know, everybody's still swinging. for. It. They don't want to go away from that A swing. You know, they talk about the A swing where they want to get off, you know, their best swing, even with two strikes it because they can inflict damage and hit a two or three run homer. And I get it to an extent. It's just boring to me.
1: Well, we always love having you on. We appreciate the time and be well, be safe and uh, have a good call today. And uh, I know you guys would like to end it, but uh, we want to at least get another game in game five. I'm just
5: hoping for good baseball, man. This has been fun so far, so let's keep it going.
1: Take care, be well, and and uh, always hit them straight when you're out there.
5: All right, Chris. Take care, buddy.
1: Take care. Steve Sparks, a former athletic, uh, with us here on A's Cast Live. I just got this notification. By the way, do the breaking news.
4: So it's official, Dusty Baker has named his starter for Game 4 today against Frankie Montas and the A's. Future Hall of Famer Zach Granke will pitch Game 4 against the A's. Now, he said Christian Javier will probably be part of the pitching plans, meaning if Granke doesn't uh, pitch well like he did last time out against the Twins, so we can see Javier, if not, as uh, Sparksy mentioned we can see Luis Garcia come in, and they save Javier for a potential game five tomorrow. So Zach Granke versus Frankie Montas today in game four at Dodger Stadium. So
1: there it is. It's official. What? It's just a weird. I mean, everything around the Astros is always a controversy, but it's just weird He's starting today, yet he re- recently just went and saw a doctor. I mean, am I reading that wrong? I thought I thought he had something either. I think it was an MRI.
4: I thought I saw that too, but I do remember him supposed to be going to, like, to see a doctor for arm soreness and all this stuff, and and then here he is starting game four. So who knows? Maybe it was just a, a fabricated story that they were trying to get out there about him, and it's going to be a Kurt Schilling bloody sock start for Zach Granke. I don't know. Maybe they're trying to build up some kind of thing with him. You know, Granke is the uh, – when it comes to that stuff, I don't think Zach uh, cares about that kind of uh, notoriety for anything. You, you saw him. He doesn't even want to have a no-hitter because he doesn't want to have to worry about talking about it after. It's too much work.
1: I mean, it's just bizarre. It really is bizarre. And I don't think at this point where he is in his career that playing these types of games even matter. I mean, watching his last start against Minnesota in game one, I mean, he's throwing 87, 88 miles an hour. He only lasts four innings. What he he only gave up one run, but he had trouble constantly. I mean, there was bases loaded in the first inning, ends up getting out of it, but it's not like it's not like he's showing the kind of stuff where he's gonna come out and, and shove, as they like to say, with like Jesus Lazardo. I mean, he—he he is what he is at this point. He's a guy making a lot of money, and you don't like the age, and you don't like the velo. Um, I'm sure I'm not even going to look at it, but I'm sure his career numbers at Dodger Stadium are really good. He Actually, played for the Dodgers, had some great years for them.
4: He's thirty and ten with a two six one ERA and fifty four starts. Uh, I looked this up the other day, so yeah, he's pretty All good. that
1: <laughs> Means nothing. Arm soreness, now starting. It's just the whole thing's weird.
4: Can you guess the ace player that has the most success
1: versus Zach is it a, I don't want two for four. Is it, a, is it a long? The guy with the most at-bats is
4: Marcus Simeon. He has 13 at-bats. He's four for 13 with a homer. The answer would be Ramon Laureano, who's five for nine with a home run versus Zach Greinke. The only guy not hitting well against Zach Greinke, Uh, Mark Hanna's 0 for 12, and Matt Olsen's 2
1: for 14. See, I like when you say uh, Greg Maddox versus Tony Gwynn, and Tony Gwynn has like 60-something at-bats against him. Uh, When I hear 9 at-bats, it it doesn't do a whole lot for me. I don't think it really matters, right? Whether you've seen a guy or you've had 5 at-bats against him, I I don't, there's not a long history. You know, when you talk about uh, a guy with the Yankees who faced Pedro Martinez, you know, 40-something times. Now, uh, okay, I'm looking at that. But when you give me that kind of history, that's not really history.
4: Yeah, it's a small, as we like to say, small sample size theater. But one thing that was interesting from the game yesterday, I don't know if you saw this stat, Yesterday was the first time in uh, postseason history that an entire infield hit a home run in the game when Olsen, LaStella, Pinder, and Marcus Simeon had home runs. I say it was the first time a, an entire in, full infield had a home run in a postseason game.
1: You know, I'm going back to my Jerickson Profar days here, <laughs> which, by the way... Um, you mean left fielder
4: Jerickson Profar?
1: So I can tell you a text thread of my brother, Bob Townsend, and his Padres. Uh, one of my dearest, oldest friends, A.J. Leighton. And my financial guy, Brad Ledwith. Uh, we're all on this text road last night. And uh they're all Padre fans. I can tell you, Padre fans, they're now done with jerks and profile. Like, Every single time this guy comes out with runners, he gets it. I'm like, trust me, I lived it. I've seen it. I lived it last year. Last year in the wild card game. What happens if pro Profar actually takes the slider off his thigh instead of backing away like it's a bullet with the bases loaded? How does that change? How does that momentum, that crowd of 50 something thousand goes nuts? What does he do? Instead of being what a real ball player is, he backs out of the way. Oh, my God, it's a slider. And then he gets out. And the rest is history. He is the most overrated player, I think, in my lifetime.
4: Eh, Matthew Boyd is uh, is on the phone from the Tigers, but that's that's
1: that's just me. four won games. Jurickson Profar, what I mean, Jerks and Profar is made out to be like he's the next greatest. He's like he's Ricky Henderson. Look at the speed. Look at the power. Look at he's the number one prospect in baseball. Remember when we were at the winter meetings in San Diego and those Padre guys came up to us and they were like. They were so excited to get Jerks and Profar and you and I are looking at them going, Yeah, that's not <laughs> Do not look at any numbers. I'm just telling you right now. How about who hit the fly ball to left field? Was it Muncie? That any average left fielder is gonna catch and jerks Profar let it drop in front of him. <laughs> Did you see that last night? Uh I didn't I don't
4: remember seeing that one because I kept going back and forth with that game and, and some and something else I was watching. Uh you're but, not
1: watching baseball during the baseball playoffs. What are you watching if you're not watching baseball?
4: What was what was that? The game was on last night. Oh, I was watching some of the vice presidential debate. Really? I was going back and forth. Then I got. I just got. I just got over that, and I put on the baseball game.
1: What's his name? Um, uh, Colin Cowherd. Who, uh, whatever, however you feel about Colin Cowherd, he had a great tweet. He goes, "Is it amazing?" Everybody on the left thinks she won. Everybody on the right thinks the vice president won. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> I, I got, I just, you, you, you really think that you really think these debates are going to sway how people are going to vote. You're either voting one way or the other. These. Uh, you're not watching that. This? this is, I can't believe you. Okay. So anyway, Muncie bunts one out the left field that, clearly an lf fielder should have been able to get. And then of course ProFar lets it drop, run score. And I'm on this text thread and they're just furious with ProFar. They hate his defense, they hate his offense, and I'm like, trust me, I get it. I'm no offense to the kid, but it's just uh he's got to be the most overhyped guy Wait, what are you sending me? I'm just telling
4: you that Hembo told me he's going to call at ten ten instead of 10 o'clock.
1: Well, you just you, – basically you just said Hembo's calling at one
4: Oh, well, I said uh, – I put Eastern. Because he always – I've talked to him in Eastern time because he doesn't talk in Pacific – in our times. So I have to set everything in Eastern. So I sent him an answer in Pacific, and I sent you the answer in Eastern.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. By the way, teams that have hit more home runs in a game than their opponent are 19-1.
4: Yeah. Thanks, uh Thanks, Dodgers, for ruining the perfect streak last night.
1: Yeah, Slam Diego is in a
4: little bit of trouble. Yeah, they—they, am they, not gonna lie. When they had the bases loaded in the ninth against Joe Kelly, and and I thought, oh, I thought when uh, who was up so I was like, they're gonna do it again, aren't they? And then he grounds out to second. But Joe Kelly, like, he didn't look good. Kenley Jansen oh. didn't look good.
1: Kenley Jan By the way, I, I maybe, I maybe, I may be offending some people here. I'm just going to say this. I find as someone who grew up in San Diego, I mean, obviously, I've lived here my entire adult life. But as someone who grew up down there, I find the Padres to be annoying. I I really do. And I, I and I know, like, if, like, my friends, some of my friends hearing this would be like, I can't believe you're saying it. I find them to be annoying. They're just kind of an annoying team. And maybe it's Manny Machado. I'm not a I ever since that Donaldson thing, it's 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 rubbed me wrong. But they're such chirpers and I'm cool. With, I, I'm cool with Tatis Jr. You know, when we played them, was that on a Saturday where it was the national game? It was a Fox game?
4: Yeah, it was Saturday.
1: And they had him mic'd up. I think Canna was mic'd up for us. Uh, Tatis being mic'd up was, I mean, he's got a great personality. I mean, he's one of these guys that's, you know, grew up at a clubhouse. It's like the Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. Your dad's a big leaguer. Ken Griffey, these kind of guys. Uh, He gets it. He's an amazing talent. I like him. But I just find the Padres to be annoying. They're like, they're a real chirper yeah, they're. they're I, I don't know. I mean, I could see if I'm the Dodgers, I'd be like, who are you? You guys talk a lot, and you've won nothing. And I know I should probably not like the Dodgers, but when I look at the – I mean, Mookie – how do you not like Mookie Betts? He's a baller. Bellinger's a bo- baller. Happy belated that, birthday. Hat, Bellinger, the, the catch he made, robbing the home run, to have that kind of talent. Did you see him go Adrian Beltre on the home run? He had his knee on the ground.
4: Yeah, that was crazy. Well, I mean, that's his he has some swings like that, but the catch was even better. The home run was great, but the catch was even better. His reaction, and then Gratterall again, throwing the hat and that and the glove.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can't do that. Don't do that. Now that those are that that that's we're willing to fight over that. But Machado can hit the home run, turn around, throw the bat to the dugout, yell at the dugout. Round the bases slow, yell at the dugout again as he rounds third. You can do that, but Gratterall can't throw his hat and glove. I mean, it's a whole thing stupid, but I'm just saying. I, I just I find the Padres to be annoying. I I just and and I know a lot of people are like like you were high on the Padres and it's a slam Diego and all that. It's just they they talk a lot for a team that's accomplished nothing. There's just a lot of chirping coming out. And I've seen that over this year. There's a lot of chirping coming from that dugout. Machado jumping over the railing and on the field. It's just all this, all this, talk, a lot of noise coming from that dugout for a team that's done nothing. And that's about to get swept, by the way.
4: Maybe that's the, uh, that? maybe that's the attitude. Jace Tingler brought in the the new manager from the Rangers. Because... Well, I don't even know who is the manager. They got like four <laughs>
1: managers. That's another thing that's annoying. Like, who who's the manager? Who who? Okay, Tingler is is the manager, but there's two other guys. Who are the other guys?
4: It's like Skip Schumacher, and there's one other person uh, that's that's there. It's another guy, but they consider him like the triumvirate of of coaches. Like they they all feel like they can manage and all this stuff. Like I remember we went over this. I think Barry Bloom had it from Forbes like before the season started about how they have this like triumvirate of coaches and they all feel like they can manage and they all have different responsibilities. And yeah, that's great. That's great and all, but like you need to have one leader for your, your baseball team. And, and it should be Jace Tingler. And I mean, they're always showing him whenever anything happens with the Padres, but there was something else from that game you sent me last night. And I did a little bit of research. You sent me the, the uh, Kenley Jansen, um, the picture of his average cutter velocity. Now, that's a pitch that he lives or dies on, kind of like Mario and Rivera did with the cutter. Kenley Jansen's average velocity of his cutter, as the image you sent to me, was ninety-four point one. In twenty-twenty, it's ninety point. Uh, it was ninety-four point one in twenty-sixteen. Ninety point one this year. He threw his um his average velocity on his sinker and cutter last night was eighty-nine point seven. That's the fourth lowest average fastball velocity of his career. He's only had a few other times where it's been lower. So, Dave Roberts won't fully commit to him being the closer. So, I'm going to ask you an impromptu, not part of buying or selling, but buying or selling, Kenley Jansen is done as the closer of the Los Angeles Dodgers.
1: I'm buying because that cutter is more like 88. I don't care what this average velocity says. That cutter ain't cutting. Yeah. He struggled last night. He comes in. You hold your breath when he comes in now. They, They don't have a real option at the end of the game now.
4: Oh, it's Gratterall. Totally.
1: He, well, I think he, uh, and, Gratterall got taken deep to center field <laughs> and uh, by Tatis. You trust Gratterall? Hell no. By the way, coming up next, the great, you call him Roxy. I call him Alan. Alan Bernstein has sent me a text, and it's about Zach Grinke and Dodger Stadium. Very interesting. Next, Right here on A's Cast Live.
3: Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend.
1: Cody, you know what I'm enjoying right now? What's that? Do you have any idea?
4: Uh, I,
1: remember I had to go buy that fancy air conditioner for you. Oh, yeah. You don't, you don't you have to. My studio.
4: You don't have to use it anymore.
1: Oh, my God. It is so nice. I'm in sweats. I didn't have to turn on the AC yesterday. You should have seen my peak. You know, the last two months that we got going again, Uh, my wife was like, I can't believe our electric bill is... Well, <laughs> when you're running an air conditioner inside the house, you know, you're running your house air conditioner, and I'm running it out here in my studio... When you got dueling air conditioning going on, it uh, tends to drive up the power bill a little bit. But now I'm waking up; it's a little chilly. I love this time of the year for uh, the home studio here, uh, for the A's, for A's Cast Live, A's Total Access, the A's Clubhouse Show. All done from the comfort of a nice, cool studio versus uh, in summertime where it, if you haven't been to San Jose in the summertime, it tends to get a little hot. Just a little bit. Not, not that bad. <laughs> I like a little heat. I like summer. I like it to be warm. But uh, I haven't had to turn on the air conditioner. It really is the uh, Commander Cody air conditioner that I had to make your working environment Um <laughs> Uh, had to go to old Home Depot to make sure you had a, a healthy work environment. Uh, the great Alan Bernstein, you call him Roxy, has sent me a text, and this is why I don't trust you. Okay. You, 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 you statistics lie and liars use statistics. So give me your Grinky again at Dodger Stadium.
4: So, a Dodger Stadium. Zach Granke, and his career is thirty and ten with a two six one ERA and fifty four starts.
1: Oh, that's so cute. So, Roxy Bernstein sent me this text, and he put it out on Twitter. Follow him at Roxy Bernstein. Zach Granke, when wearing a Dodger uniform. Is twenty eight and five with a two point zero one ERA. Is that any good at Dodger Stadium?
4: I mean, I'd say that's Clayton Kershaw, Sandy Koufax
1: esque. Since leaving the Dodgers, okay, now he doesn't have the Dodger uniform on, and he doesn't have that lineup behind him. Since leaving Do- since leaving the Dodgers and pitching at Dodger Stadium, he's one and five with a seven seven point six one ERA. You want to give me your fake numbers again? He's 1-5 with a 7.61 ERA since leaving the Dodgers and pitching at Dodger Stadium.
4: Small sample size.
1: Oh, <laughs> there you go. There you go.
4: That's not very good. I mean, who cares about the win-loss record? The, the ERA is the most telling number, obviously, the 7.61, opposed to the 2.01 when he was a starter with the Dodgers there. It's a big difference. My uh, California University of Pennsylvania math tells me that's about five runs higher than uh, than when he pitched uh, at Dodger Stadium. So, yeah, hopefully that continues today because, we, like we mentioned earlier, Grankey will pitch game four for the Astros.
1: Actually, in all these series, I would like to see everybody extend. I don't want to see anybody get swept. So I want the Braves to win. Well, maybe. Well, the Yankees got their game. Am I going to be bummed if the Yankees get uh, thrown out of the playoffs today?
4: Probably not. And the Rays are using. Yeah, the- I, don't the- I
1: don't think I. You know, th- just to get those, you know, what's out of here. Yeah, I think I, I. I'm cool with the Rays closing it. The Yankees got their one. I'm cool with the Rays closing it out today. They're, using, uh, they're going. Uh, I'd, like to see the, I'd like to see the Padres and the Braves extend, and us extend. Um. Even though I think the Padres are annoying, but Yankees being out of the postseason would just I and you know what? How funny will it be? Rays take out the Yankees today, and all of a sudden we have a new start time for Game Five.
4: Yeah, I mean I saw that too. Um,
1: I'm hoping. I mean, What, what, what would that if the Yankees lose today? What would our start time be tomorrow if we extend it to tomorrow? No way, it's like 1235.
4: Yeah, I think it's later in the afternoon, like 3 or something like that. It's pretty good. Prime
1: time? All of a sudden, we're in prime time?
4: Yeah, 6 o'clock on the
1: East Coast. What would happen if Dodgers close out the Padres, Rays close out the Yankees, we extend the series to tomorrow, what time are we playing?
4: That's a good point. Probably probably still that same late afternoon window.
1: So tell me, like today, who's the late game?
6: So it's Tampa,
1: New York. Padres, Dodgers. They're going at at 410. Oh, Dodgers, that's right. They're at 6 6 o'clock. Yep. Dodgers win. Rays win. We're playing tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Watch. You may, that that's just going to be like so middle finger to Major League Baseball. Because you take the Dodgers out market two. You take the Yankees out market one. And now you start thinking, okay, uh, no question, the market of Bay Area and Houston, Texas, far bigger than Atlanta and Miami. What if everybody goes out today except us? So let's say Atlanta wins, Dodgers win, Rays win. We're the only ones left standing this series, and now now we're going to be whatever they're going to consider prime time around four o'clock.
4: <laughs> Not only that, there's one more uh, element you can add into that. What if it's A's Astros only series only series going tomorrow, prime time, and it's Mike Fires in Game Five versus the Astros?
1: Oh, hot take Thursday. <laughs>
4: Or Chris Bassett on four days rest. Either one.
1: I, I it, it's it's going to be Chris Bassett. I I don't know. I mean, I don't have to ask Chris Bassett. I know Chris Bassett. I know the answer. I mean, his. I mean, this is his. This is his. I mean, his throw day would have been. I mean, he would have been thrown yesterday. He's going on game five if there is a game five. He only threw 70-something pitches on Monday. you kidding me? You're going to hand the ball to Chris Bassett, and you're going to say, give me as many good innings as you can. Is that four? Is it five? Is it six? Is it seven? I don't know. Chris Bassett, with the way the ball's flying, and Mike Fires being a fly ball pitcher, there's no way he's going in game five. Chris Bassett will, I I guarantee, I, I, like, I would be absolutely shocked if we're doing a show tomorrow, which would now be at what? Noon?
4: We're not sure yet, but if the game does start at the, the 3 o'clock, so what, we'd be like 11 to like 2 or something like that?
1: I'd be shocked if I'm not saying Chris Bassett is starting the game. I would be absolutely shocked. Pimbo, are you there how are you <laughs> oh I I am good my friend I hear you guys have
7: another pretty important ball game out that way today huh
1: hey it's winter go home that, that's where everybody's at right now all these series if you don't step your game up you're going home and the the season is over this is I, I've been trying to tell all of our curmudgeons because we got a bunch of them around here we're like I don't like how this postseason I'm like wait till you see it and I think now people are seeing it this is awesome.
7: I agree. I'm curious what you think too, as it relates to all this emotion, all this energy. Like, there's there's sort of this old school baseball mentality that still pervades the game to a large extent, including the fans. That really doesn't favor all this emotion. I couldn't help but watch that Dodgers Padres game yesterday without like I'm losing track of all the people that are gonna ha- are, are going to need to be hit by pitches next year for acting out. Like we're we're already there, and part of me wonders if that's because. There aren't any fans in the stands, and these guys are sort of, um, you know, being asked to drum up their own energy and emotion internally like we did when we were, you know, playing region ball or playing high school ball. I, I think in some sense that, that has sort of contributed to all the energy we've seen in these games. What do you think?
1: I haven't even thought about that. You know, I, I, I got I to gotta be honest with you. Our games been, have been so intense that you don't even notice there's not even fans. Like f- foul balls, <laughs> in the seats, but our games are so, in- our, our games against the White Sox and now these games, they're so intense. You don't even notice no one's there.
7: Not only are, are your games intense, but because you're playing these games so early in the day, uh, um, you know, for you guys, given what you're used to, I, I, I read today that Ramon Loriano said, like that team, like you can't help, but feel the fatigue. In the second half of that game. And that really made me think, well, perhaps that is not an excuse, but perhaps that's a reason why this bullpen of yours, which was the best in baseball for the entire season, can't keep it together right now. I wonder if there's some sort of effect and it's very difficult um, for the pitching staff to, to, to keep the to, to, to get their ducks in a row. With, and, you know, because of that, and the fatigue factor is not something that I consider coming into this postseason. I guess we did talk a couple weeks ago, and I pointed out some numbers that illustrate how much worse bullpens perform on zero days rest. So I guess it's not, it shouldn't come as a surprise that we're seeing some crooked numbers, but I definitely think that has been a clear factor in your series late in games.
1: So I, yeah. yeah and, and by the way, uh, I didn't realize that I was going to be hosting a morning show uh, in the playoffs, they so damn early. It's unbelievable. Uh, Zach Greinke. Uh, let's be honest, Zach Greinke. Since he's left the Dodgers and pitching at Dodger Stadium, we just had the note. He has not been very good. Uh, no,
7: he's not. And Zach Greinke, I think is I think is going to be a guy that you guys can tag today. I mean, he, he, the stuff is, is still there to an extent. Obviously, there isn't the sort of overpowering velocity. But to me. Today's game, and hopefully for, in your case, the next game is going to come down to one thing, and that's going to be timely hitting. Like, are, are you going to be able to get any timely hits? Now, obviously, oh. the, the A's, you guys hit a bunch of homers yesterday, but I mean, I can't believe, I cannot believe how badly your club is hitting with two outs. The A's in this series are 0 for 25 with two outs. The Astros have eight hits and have scored eight runs with two outs. You are 0 for 25. I I went back through the whole history of the postseason, at least during the World Series era, since 1903. Since 1903, my friend, there has never been a series in which which a team failed to record a single hit with two outs. But you guys are on pace to do that. And the fact that you're still in this series, despite that, is pretty incredible to me and illustrates just the damage you guys can do with the long ball.
1: We are so bad with runners in scoring position. All right, we're 4 for 26. In this postseason, how about the last three years? We're four for 36 the last three years. Four for 36!
7: You guys play three games without getting a single two out hit. It's not like this is, it's impossible. It is, it is, as an impossible. I'm talking about 120 years of baseball history, and you guys are doing it. And somehow you're playing a game for today. Now, and Zach Granke lives up in the zone. He, he's someone that you guys can tag for a couple long balls. It's become overwhelmingly clear, though, this postseason that it's become a home run derby. And like it or not, this is just the nature of the business. I'll give you a couple mu- numbers to sort of illustrate the extremes in the league division series so far across the board. Right now, teams across, across the LDS are homering once in every 16 at bat. For context, that is Willie McCovey's career home run rate. Teams are hitting homers the same rate as Willie McCovey hit for his career. And pitchers are averaging uh, – they're striking out uh, batters at a 23% clip, which is Roger Clemens' career strikeout rate. That's what we're seeing. We're seeing home runs hit like Willie McCovey. We're seeing strikeouts like, like Roger Clemens, and we're seeing it happen with all these guys across the league. Th- these, these games are wild. They're different than what we're used to seeing. And I'm not, like, I'm not sure it really mu- it much matters whether you like it or not. This is baseball now, so you, you, so you better get control of your roster and build your rosters in such a way that you're willing to compete and play this way, because if you're not, you're going to get left behind.
1: So we're hitting home runs at the rate of Willie McCovey and striking out at the the rate of Roger Clemens. Really?
7: That's right. So here's the deal. Here's the note. Again, during during this series, uh, and I'm talking about all the series across baseball and the LDS, teams are homering once in every 15.7 at bats. Willie McCovey's career home run rate was 15.7. Again. Across the league division series, uh, pitchers are striking out hitters at a twenty-three percent clip. Twenty-three percent of batters face have resulted in a strikeout. Roger Clemens struck out twenty-three percent of batters he faced during his career. I'm telling you, man, these three true outcomes, and we're, we're not even getting into walks. These, these these this is what baseball is now. This is what baseball is now. And the te- the teams the teams that can hit the homer and the teams that can 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 um, you know, can avoid homers uh, from a pitching standpoint are the ones that are going to rise to the top. I'm not sure we're going to see much else. I mean, I suppose if you can, I suppose if you can generate runs and, and you can uh, manufacture, it's one thing, and maybe that will happen over the course of the postseason as as bullpens fatigue. But right now, we're definitely not seeing that.
1: What do you got with the Yankees and the Rays? As the Yankees could be going home today.
7: Yeah, I mean, hate to see it, right? So here's what I would say: um, Aaron Boone. If if the Yankees wind up losing today, I think Aaron Boone. Uh, might be looked at very unfavorably uh, by members of that fan base for his uh, perhaps getting too cute, you could call it, in game two. Since he yanked Davey Garcia after the first inning, the Yankees have allowed 14 runs in 16 innings. And that's not a pitching staff that has all that much depth. So to blow so to blow Garcia after just an inning and to put in J.A. J. it was a decision that a lot of Yankees fans aren't in favor of, and especially when you consider how badly – This team has pitched, and this is another case in which the compressed schedule is really hurting those guys because they're just banking on being able to start Garrett Cole on three days rest tomorrow, but they obviously can't use him today, so they're going to have to throw Jordan Montgomery, who last time he faced the Rays, wasn't able to get out of the first inning, and look, the Yankees are hitting, they're hitting homers, and it's not enough because the Rays not only have uh, a, a ridiculously deep pitching staff, but the Rays can score with these guys because the Yankees, as we've learned, have one pitcher. They have one reliable pitcher, and that's Garrett Cole. He shoved in game one. He was outstanding, but that's not enough. You're paying that guy $324 million, but he can't pitch every day. And so, so what I'm seeing is a pitching staff is totally crumbled, and a pitching staff that Aaron Boone I think, I think mismanaged. Although if they, win, if, they, if they can find a way to score enough runs to win today – you know, you, you go back to Garrett Cole in game five, he only threw 97 pitches in game one, and they'd be favored in that game because he's throwing. That, that's what I see, and I think people over here are ready to uh, – it, it will be Armageddon if they lose today. The Rays were 28th in payroll this year. The Yankees, of course, were first. This team is even – though, even though the Rays had a better regular season record, but I think the Yankees were favored to win the series in Vegas. So their fans expected to win. Vegas expected them to win. And after game one, we all expected them to win. But, of course, is not what's happened.
1: Uh, by the way, that guy, John Carlos Stanton, uh, uh, that's pretty impressive. Even even though the, it, it's truly a juice ball. There's no, I mean, watching all these home runs, it's truly a juice ball, but his home runs are so impressive. I mean, a big man, <laughs> it, it's, it's a lot of fun to watch.
7: He is unbelievable. I, there, there is, I think it's probably fair and safe to say that there has never been a hitter in baseball history that can generate the kind of uh, exit velocity that he does. I mean, we have no way of measuring, you know, those kinds of things historically, but he is putting on an absolute show. I just don't know how much it's going to matter to speak to, to your first point. I think it's perfectly clear and obvious that like, I I, I want to talk to, I, I want to hear the, the feedback from, from some of these pitchers who so are holding this thing, but the way that ball is flying out of Dodger stadium, especially is crazy. It's like we, we're seeing balls with, uh, like non non-optimal launch angles, fly out of there. And obviously during the day it's 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 different, um, and it's always been different there. But especially now, like it's like the, the, the Lance McCullers reaction from uh, from earlier in your series is the one that that's sticking with me. But this again, this is the world we're living in. There's there's if, if you're playing in these games, like you have no choice but to embrace it. These are gonna these are gonna be track meets in that sense, and you you, you got to put on your seatbelt and just expect to be playing. Uh, a game in some cases with football scores. I mean, obviously we're seeing a lot of swing and miss, but like we're going to see the ball sailing above the barrel a lot of times, but anything hit into the air, man, like you said, it's flying out and these are all going to be I'm playing these bubbles in, in, uh, in domed areas or in warm areas. So we're going to see perhaps like one of the, the most um, uh, run happy postseasons we've ever seen. I think I don't, I don't think there's a way around it. And I only think it's going to get worse if you will, or at least uh, more towards the run scoring because of the fatigue. We're going to see these teams, uh, pitch, these pitchers are being asked to do things they've never been asked to do before in the postseason, day after day after day, without the days in between. So I think you might be these some of these. We're going to see some really crooked numbers in, in the LCS and in the World Series. I would I would guess.
1: Uh, you're going to love this because remember the A's played the Dodgers right before the end of the season at Dodger Stadium. The A's have played six games at Dodger Stadium this year, and they've allowed 16 home runs in 52 <laughs> innings. <minutes. laughs>
7: I'm telling you, man, we're homering like Willie McCovey. What we're seeing is outrageous. The A's yesterday were in peril of becoming the first team to ever lose in the playoffs while hitting five home runs. Like that – We're like these are the stats that we're digging up now. This is – it's absolutely – it's absolutely crazy. And we're seeing people hit home runs that aren't even supposed to all across the board. I mean, Randy and Rosarena might, might be a Hall of Famer now after what we're seeing him do out there. Like this guy – this guy, like we, we heard of him for the first time three months ago. Now he might be a first ballot guy. Like we're seeing just outrageous stuff across the board here. I mean, I, I don't really. It's hard for me to say because like I've always felt that teams with and, and the numbers really support teams with higher contact rates and, and lower strikeout rates on offense do favor you, you know, do have a better chance of, uh, of of doing more damage in the playoffs because the volatility, especially in a short series, is so much greater. But I don't. I, I, we might just be throwing all the rules out the window. We might be throwing all the rules out the window. You guys are seeing that. You guys are seeing that firsthand in your series.
1: All right, Dave Roberts is on the phone. He's giving you a call, and he's like, what do I do in the ninth inning? What do you do? Well, I don't throw
7: 88-mile-per-hour batting practice cutters, and, and that's what he's doing right now. Uh, what I saw from Kenley Jansen yesterday was a joke. I mean, the guy has – I look back at his, each of his – all three of his postseason appearances, his cutter average cutter velocity has been down, 88, 89. He's sat at 91 for most of the year. But you know this. Like You know, especially uh, as it relates to that pitch – Like, that is a massive difference in effectiveness. Like, the the miles per hour difference for him is is much more significant than it was for someone like Mariano Rivera. He just doesn't have that kind of cut. And he can't keep the ball off the barrel at 88-89. I'm not all that confident in what Joe Kelly has to offer either. Broussard uh, Gratterol has been pretty effective for him at times. Obviously, Cody Bellinger saved his bacon yesterday. But that's got to be a major concern of mine if I'm a Dodgers fan moving forward because i've seen dave roberts mangle this bullpen for the last few years and he's still there to make moves in the postseason and you know what like my confidence level would be pretty low it's going to end up coming down to which teams can score runs in the seventh eighth and ninth inning because i'm not sure i can really count on these bullpens and for a team as good as the dodgers not to have a whole host of guys on the back end that you trust is rare man i think the rays are probably the only team that i can point to right now and say I trust those guys to get me nine outs at the end of the game. There aren't any other teams, really, you can say that all def- all that definitively about. You know, obviously, the Dodgers have a pretty good uh, uh, group of starters, and, and, they, and they can hit. Those guys can really hit. They'll score runs late in the game, so that's what it's going to come down to for most of these clubs. You're not banking on your bullpen holding a one-run lead, that's for sure.
1: You know, I, 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 I said it earlier in the show. The Padres are just annoying to me. And, you know, yesterday, like, when can you celebrate? When can you not celebrate? When can I bat flip? When can a pitcher? It's just like, what happened yesterday there in Arlington was a joke with Manny Machado. <laughs> um,
7: you know what? I'll be honest with you. Like, I, I, you. You and I have talked enough this year to know that I'm, I'm, I'm sort of old school with my, like, I was, I grew up, like, you know, very, very sort of close to the vest. You play the game the right way. You don't show too much emotion. You don't show up your opponent and all that stuff. And that isn't to say that's the right way to play. It's just to say that's the way that I prefer. As a fan, as a player, as an observer here, like, that's what I that's what I like. Like Cal Ripken and Chase Altley, like those are my favorite players. And that's how those guys play. To me, this sort of push and pull between the old school and the new school is actually a very charming and good thing for the sport of baseball because it creates different layers of discussion and it, it in theory at least um brings the larger uh, swath of, of fans uh together to be able to have those kinds of debates and disagreements and i think actually fundamentally that is a good thing i think the padres almost have become a little villainous uh here and that's good i mean Manny machado let's be honest is one of the most unlikable players in the sport fernando tatis who also acts Somewhat emotionally is one of the most likable people on the sport. I mean, they're sharing the same side of the infield. They act similarly, and yet, you know, Tatis is curating is off the roof, whereas Machado is one of baseball's villains, and he's cool with that. And that is a good thing for the sport, in my judgment. Now, to be clear, like you're right, the. The, the antics, uh, if you will, are super confusing and hard to follow. Like I said on the front end here, you can't, like, there's a, there's a taste of, like, whataboutism in baseball that I just don't quite understand. Like, you can't have it both ways. You can't be, you can't, you can't show up to your opponent and then freak out when they say the same thing to you. You <laughs> know, I mean, if, you, if, if, if you, if you're, if you're going to homer, if you're going to homer F bond and chuck your bat to the dugout, well, then you can't be upset when, when Bellinger robs you of a homer and those guys are freaking out over there. Like, you just can't have it both ways. Like, I didn't see what, what Gratterall did with Cool either. Chucking his his glove and his, his his hat, like it was so it was so bush and immature in my opinion. And again, it's just my opinion. And I think it's a good thing for the sport that we're dealing with this. But we you can't have it both ways, man. Like this is if this is how you guys have established the series is going to be, then so be it. I actually think the emotion in the postseason is a good thing for baseball. Just don't cry, you know, next July when you're wearing them uh, after you act this way. Because if baseball chooses to police police itself like that, then who am I to tell them that they're wrong? That's how I see it, but ultimately what's happening now in that series, I think is really good for the game, and what's become one of the best rivalries in the sport.
1: Let's end on this. Uh, You're in television with ESPN. I I know baseball's doing well, but why do you think football, basketball, hockey, why do you think their ratings are down? Uh,
7: I think there's probably a, like, that's a complicated question, and like most complicated questions, there are. Complicated, there's a complicated answer to it. I think generally speaking, people, everyone's schedule and, and uh, everyone's schedule and internal talk, if you will, is so askew because of what has been just such a crazy year. So like this, like right now, LeBron James is pursuing, you know, what, what would be a, a huge, this is his fourth, uh, fourth championship and his chase of Michael Jordan's legacy and all this stuff. But I mean, these games are being played in October and, <laughs> and they're overlapping with football. And it's just so hard. I think it's just so hard for people to reprogram themselves, because it's not just it's not just you know football or basketball. It's literally everything. Like it's literally everything. There, I, I read an article the other day that was illustrating how just across the board things are, are down from a TV perspective uh, in the world of sports, and that's just the world we're living in now. It's hard. Like, I think when we started this whole thing, and you and I were talking in you know March and, and April about what this what the next several months might look like, there were so many unintended consequences socially and otherwise of the pandemic that we just had no idea what, how, how those things would materialize. And for some reason, people were just watching less sports on TV. Now, I, I think people are teachers of habit and uh, like the time, time of year is a super important thing and people's regimen and schedules are super important, but also people's regimens and schedules are very different now than they were six months ago, almost across the board. People like, our life has changed so much since you and I started talking about this six months ago. So I really don't know, to be totally honest with you. Um, but like, like, like I said, most things have a complicated answer, and there's probably a, a, a variety of factors for why those ratings are down across the board. And if I knew the answer to that, I think I'd probably get promoted to DSPN.
1: <laughs> you are the best, Hembo. <laughs> we will talk to you soon. Enjoy these playoffs.
7: When you have your good friend Buster only on next, you just ask him. Ask him how hard Hembo parties. I promise. I promise he'll have a good answer for you.
1: I, I'm going to ask him next. Keep keep using that trigger. <laughs> Even in the winter, keep using that trigger. <laughs>
7: All right, baby,
1: you, you smoke away. All right, take care, buddy. The great himbo. Coming up next, we're gonna have Buster only from ESPN right here on. Should we break, Cody, or no?
4: Well, Buster's calling us, so I, I don't want to be in the middle of a break when he calls because uh, Buster's time is very valuable. We know how busy he is, but I do want to. I do want to say this, and it's a. Uh, We need to keep repping the town. Ace fans, we need you to rep the town this postseason. You can win an ace flag by entering at athletics.com slash rep the town ALDS before midnight on Friday the 9th. That's right. Just visit athletics.com slash rep the town ALDS before midnight Friday. 50 lucky winners will be randomly selected. Show us how you rep the town all postseason with the hashtag rep the town on social media.
1: Are we getting one?
4: I hope so. I mean, I see. I, I mean, I'm. I'm sure we can. I, I think we know some people that we can pull some strings and maybe get one. Hang it up in the in the uh, the chicken pie shop of Walnut Creek Remote Studios here in San Jose. Well, your studio, mine's my living. Well, living slash dining room in my apartment. So I don't know if Dina, my fiance, will like a. Flag hanging in our dining room. But, I mean, I can put it next to all my bobbleheads and stuff uh, that I have. Because I get one shelf on the bookshelf and it has my bobbleheads on it. So, I'm um, sure we can figure something out for us to get a flag. But, uh Hembo actually mentioned that to me earlier about make sure we ask Buster about his partying habits. Because he will have a great answer. Because he always mentions on his podcast about how Paul Hembikides is a wild partier. Uh, according to uh, Mike Greenberg or something like that. So, I'm curious to see what Buster says when we ask him about it.
1: Are we calling Buster? or Is he calling us?
4: He's supposed to call
1: into us. Okay. Well, Ambo's been out on the boat. He's been, I mean, he's been living the life during uh, quarantine. Bought a new house. I mean, you know, quarantine life has been good for him. It's just, it, it is really odd. You know, all that time when you'd watch ESPN and you know, to watch people do television from their homes is very odd.
4: Yeah. Now you're seeing a lot of people do it still with like a lot of places opening back up again. Like, like, it's cool. Like I was watching MLB central this morning with D row and, and Rofalo, Robert Flores. And like, they're in studio, but like, if you watch good morning football and NFL network, all four of them are still the four hosts. They're all in different locations. So every network is different, but, um, Watching D-Row D- and uh, Roflow earlier was, you know, they were talking about the uh, flow chart and it was just like talking about different events that happened and it, it led all led up to Gratterall throwing his hat and his glove last night. Um, <laughs> and then they were talking about that, the Ronald Acuna situation where he tweeted about, tweeted something out about getting hit and all this stuff. And I think Rofo or um, D-Row's quote was, if you want to send a tweet, you have to be able to take the heat or something. He goes, yeah, I just made that up right now. Like I enjoy watching them They're." Those two guys are good, and Lauren's usually on with them. Lauren Shahadi, but she's the reporter for the Dodgers-Padres series, so uh, that's why it's just those that's two.
1: That's right. I noticed that she's right next to the dugout.
4: Yeah, it's her, and I and I want to say it's who's calling the game. Or no, sorry, sorry. She's doing the uh, Yankees-Rays because um, uh, the it's so funny that the Dodgers-Padres series is John Smoltz and Joe Davis, and Joe Davis is the guy that calls Dodger games during the regular season on TV with Oral Horshouser. So. He didn't really have to go very far.
1: No, uh, it, it's been a lot of fun. And now joining us, as we talk about it all the time, we reference the great podcast, Baseball Tonight, and he's one of the top columnists for ESPN.com and one of the great voices of baseball, also Sunday Night Baseball, part of the broadcast. Buster Olney's with us. Buster, how are you? It's been a while.
8: Uh, <laughs> it, uh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. i in the baseball and You know, I mean, I love the fact that uh, in every series, the teams are going to be right on edge, someone potentially being eliminated. And, you know, in the Oakland and Astros series, what I absolutely love is it feels like it's about round 10 of a 15-round battle between heavyweights. They're exhausted. They're kind of leaning on each other, and they're still throwing aim acres.
1: I got to tell you, Buster, after the White Sox series, and now this series, I can't tell you how many times I've had knots in my stomach. It's hard to watch. You know, I keep score for every game. It, it, it's tough not to be pacing. My kids are now pacing. I mean, it's just, it's so intense that you don't even notice fans are not there. And how crazy is that?
8: Yeah, well, and that's the thing that you definitely have noticed uh, since, the, since the playoffs started that you know, there's no question that during the regular season, the players miss the fans. But now that you've got something on the line in these games, and every moment is so meaningful, uh, that doesn't matter. I'm sure you got a chance to see some of the Padres and Dodgers game last night. With those guys going at it, it's the same way. It's funny you mentioned about you pacing. I actually, you know, that game uh, was so tense yesterday. When Tinder hit the home run, I was actually on a six-mile walk. You know what? I, I just it's easy for me to absorb and listen to it on the radio.
1: <laughs> oh, I know. It's uh, it's a lot. All these games have been a lot of fun. And, you know, when I think about today for the A's, and, and it's an elimination game in all four games today, you know, it's either win or you go home. Uh, when you think about Zach Greinke and just how bizarre this has been, Uh, The way Dusty Baker's talked about him, supposedly saw a doctor. We weren't sure he was going to be able to go today. Now he can go. Uh, What do you think Zach Greinke has left right now in 2020?
0: Well, he he probably, I mean, I think it's pretty fair to say he's not going to be close to 100% physically, but he's an incredibly smart guy. Uh, And the way that he pitches in the postseason, and he always has, and some of his Dodger teammates, former Dodger teammates, used to talk about this. You get into a postseason game, and even when he's 100% right, he's going to nibble, nibble, nibble. And that's probably what we're going to see today. You're going to see, you know, 88 mile per hour fastballs and cutters. He's going to throw that curveball and the great challenge, and I'm sure it'll be talked about among the uh, ace hitters just be disciplined, wait him out. Uh, And, and, you know, from from Oakland's perspective, um, you know, let him build his pitch count because he will do that, especially in the postseason force him to throw, you know, 25, 30 pitches in in an inning early on, I I really would be shocked if he saw the sixth inning today, Um, you know, based on the circumstances, uh, you know, based on how he's pitched so far in this postseason.
1: And yesterday, finally, that was the script we had been talking about going into the series is you got to get to this inexperienced bullpen. Finally, we saw that. So if you're Dusty Baker, how do you try and get 27 outs against this A's team? I, I think and I think that it's going to be this way in a lot of this series. We're at the point now, and
0: I personally love the idea of playing these games on consecutive days and not having the travel days, not being able to rest bullpens. Um, you know, use Petit may not like that. <laughs> you know, having pitched three straight days, but I do think that there's you know this is the type of situation where um, the managers like Dusty are going to have to rely. On guys that they don't typically rely on. It's funny. Just before I called you, I got a text from a manager with another team who said, "Hey, who's the first guy in after Granke? Because he knows, like he that that you know, it's the same question you had. I, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know how they're going to structure it. I know Brent Strom, their pitching coach, well enough to know, you know, how adept he is. That he is going to have a plan. and Dusty will have a plan. But days like today, when you got to rely on the back end of these pitching staffs, you just don't know you might get two scoreless innings or you might have a guy standing out there as we saw in the, with the white Sox and the w- way they melted down in the final game of the, the series against the athletics you might have a situation where the manager's scrambling around looking for anybody who can throw strikes
1: the, the, the game of baseball right now it's crazy we just had your buddy paul Himbakitis on himbo by the way himbo wanted me to ask you uh how big a partier he is
0: <laughs> uh, well, according to Mike Greenberg, uh, he is a big partier and an and the, and the inspiration to Greenie. now that he has to live vicariously through him as an old man.
1: <laughs> well, he just had the stat for us that we're homering at the rate of Willie McCovey and pitchers yeah. are striking out hitters at the rate of Roger Clemens. That's crazy. It is crazy, and I think over the course of a regular season, it's not
0: sustainable. I know there are people around the sport. Uh, I mean, I, I, I really believe this. We're starting to see the pendulum begin to swing back the other way in terms of sentiment within the game, where, um, you know, folks are beginning to say, for pure entertainment value over the regular season, this is not what we want. But in these short series... <laughs> You know, it's certainly entertaining with the way these games are playing out with big swings like we got from Pender.
1: Yeah, it's uh, any ball that goes in the air. I remember growing up at Dodger Stadium was a pitcher's ballpark. Uh, Now any ball that goes in the air in this series, the ball is flying out. And then you go down to Petco, and what a battle this has been and a lot of criticism about Game 2 and the New York Yankees and the Rays got a chance to knock out the Bronx Bombers today.
0: And I tell you what, uh, if in fact the Yankees get knocked out, then all winter and then next spring training and then during the course of next season and and going into the playoffs, because the Yankees are always going to be loaded and probably make the playoffs, Aaron Boone's going to have to answer questions about that decision to start Davey Garcia in game two and then bring in Jay Happ after just one inning. Um, You know, I live here in New York and I, you know, see the criticism, read it, hear it no one can understand why they did what they did. Now, uh, you know, a couple of managers texted me and said that the unfortunate thing is Booney has to be the one to answer for it because you know that that's a collaborative decision within the organization. But it's a head-scratcher because you couldn't really see a clear statistical, uh, you know, a matchup advantage that was going to be gleaned by that decision. And, and now, and I always used to joke, With Bruce Bochy, who I covered uh, with the Padres at the time that he became a manager, when uh, the Giants were going through those championship runs, uh, I'd go up to Bochy and say, Bochy, I'm trying to keep track of you. Are you a genius or an idiot today? I mean, every day I'd go up to him because, let's face it, in the postseason, everything is viewed through the prism of the result. And it worked out badly for the Yankees, and it'll haunt them over the winter if they get knocked out by Tampa Bay, which is a really good team.
1: You know, I'm, I'm glad you brought a, brought that up about the effort. And I always like to go back to the Golden State Warriors because I think a, a lot of people understand that here in the Bay Area when they were winning championships. It was about Steve Kerr, Bob Myers, the entire front office. You know, for some reason, baseball fans want to still believe it's Sparky Anderson, Earl Weaver, Tommy Lasorda. The manager makes all the decisions. And that's just not the case, not with any franchise. It is about the manager and the front office, they all work together. If you can explain that for my audience, that it's just not one manager pulling all the strings.
0: You know, and it's very interesting because one of the teams that was absolutely at the forefront of that in terms of the input of the front office actually was, you know, were the athletics. Um, you know, the perception was is that, uh, you know, Bob Melvin, um, part of his excellence as a manager is that he was really good at working collaboratively. With the front office, you know, taking their ideas, uh, implementing it, uh, implementing some of them, you know, using the matchups during the course of the game. I I don't think that the the idea that these are all dictated from front office is completely right. I do think the managers have some discretion. I remember Terry Francona, who has a similar situation with the Indians, telling me, you know, a lot of times these guys bring ideas down to me and I'll tell them, you know what, give me a couple weeks. I'll work on that. I got to talk to the players. I got to put some some wheels in motion. But a decision like that the other day, I'm sure for the Yankees, it may have been raised by someone in their front office, maybe you know in their pitching group as a possible advantage, and then it was absorbed. And then Aaron Boone talks about it with his staff, and Brian Cashman talks about it with Aaron Boone, and they all decide together. It's not just the manager. You're exactly right. The days of the field general for managers. Those are long gone.
1: And I know some people criticized the playoff format because we got all these, all these teams playing somebody in your own division. But since everybody knows each other so well, I mean, basically you got four series where nobody likes each other. I kind of like it. I love it. It was the coolest thing going into this division series that you had all
0: this recent history of, uh, of anger, uh, and, you know, bad blood between the teams. And, you know, in the first days when they do the, the pre-series interviews, everyone downplays it, but it's there. Um, for example, you know, I heard that, um, and, and I don't know if you guys have talked about this, or if you've heard it, I've heard that the Astros players cause they're staying in the same hotel as the athletics players. They bumped into Mike fires at some point. And I don't, it wasn't anything physical, but I don't think there were a lot of warm words spoken. I think it basically was a, a lot of stares going on. You know, that's part of the history going on here. I think that's pretty cool.
1: Oh, I absolutely love it. Well, let me tell you something. We bring on Himbo. We bring on Sarah Langs. We talk about your podcast all the time. It's the best in the business. I always appreciate your time. It really is uh, big for our show. Thank you so much. Enjoy the playoffs, and let's talk soon. You too, and uh, for for your sake, fingers crossed for the A's. Ah, we love it. Thank you, Buster. Yep, take care. Thanks. The great Buster Olney, right here on A's Cast Live. I did not hear that. Did you hear that?
4: I have. No, I had. I didn't hear that. No. So that's news to me. I mean, he's right. he's dialed in more than we are. So,
1: whoa.
4: I mean, it's just a fact. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm not seeing anything new on Mike Fires. That's interesting. You know what? I'm so tired of these guys. Baseball's tired of You know, um, that just reminds me of something uh, that I had in the postgame show yesterday. Is fans, our, our fans need to get a grip. Okay. I'm seeing nothing. All stories are old. I put in Mike Fires, Mike Fires runs into Houston. A- I nothing. Yesterday I got texts. I saw it on Twitter. We're getting hosed by the umpires. Not only are we fighting the Astros, we're fighting the uh, the you know, I had people saying after my interview with Rob Manfred that he doesn't like the A's. I mean, folks, stop it. Really, you sound like trolls. You really do. Just stop it. I said last night, I'll say it today. Rob Manfred is doing any everything he can to help John Fisher and Dave Cavill. He is met with them. He has flown to the Bay Area. He's talked to politicians. He's doing everything he can to help the A's get a new ballpark. Stop it. You think the umpires like the Astros? I brought up this point. I've never heard it. You tell me, Cody. But how is it possible the umpires like the Astros and would want to see the Astros win? The Astros were cheating underneath their supervision. So I talked about whoever was the umpire on that given night on the first base side and kept hearing banging of trash cans and didn't do anything about it. Isn't it the umpire's job to run the game? Don't they control the action? Umpires, hey, lights go out. Umpires can call the game. Rain comes down, umpires can call the game. They're in control of the game. Why didn't an umpire walk over to A.J. Hench and go, why am I hearing banging constantly coming from your dugout? Isn't it their job to police that? They're the police of the game. The Astros make the umpires look bad. You think the umpires are rooting for them? There's nobody in baseball. I don't care where you work. I don't care if you're a, a, a know-nothing talk show host like myself a lower level employee like Cody or you're a general manager, you're an umpire, nobody likes these guys. And if you're an umpire, they made you look stupid. I haven't heard this point yet. I brought it up yesterday. Have you heard anybody say this before Cody?
4: No. I th- why why I don't I, you're right. Why would the umpires favor the Astros? And if you're going to bring it up I don't up-
1: know. If you ask some of our fans, they think oh, we're fighting the um, yeah, yeah. I'm like Okay, catcher's interference, guess what? They can hear it. You may not really see it, and video may not show it, but catcher's interference, they, the catcher, the hitter, the umpire, they can hear the the, the bat hit the glove. It makes a different sound. Sean Murphy did not tear off his helmet and turn around and go, I can't believe you called that, because that's an error on him. He didn't dispute it, but either way, it didn't matter. But all you people out there, stop. Stop with the conspiracy theories, okay? As I said yesterday, I'll say it again. This isn't Al Davis. This isn't Al Davis suing the NFL. This isn't the NFL feeling like Pete Rozelle had a shortened life because of all the stress he had from Al Davis and the Raiders. So now the NFL, Paul Tagliabue, they're going to come down, give you a bad schedule, and all the flags going against you. This is not that. Rob Manfred does not hate John Fisher. He is a big fan of Dave Cavill. Stop it. The conspiracy theories are not real. And you sound like clowns or your keyboard tough guys. You sound awful on Twitter. You make us all look bad. Stop it. We're better than that. And the umpires? I mean, I would love to have an umpire on Because we can go through that chart that that one baseball fan put out, and he went through all the games, and he did the number of bangs. I'd love to go through that chart, find an umpire who was on the first base side of the Astros dugout. Because yesterday, I couldn't remember. I was like, are they on the third base, first base? So then Fossey and a couple of people texted me, it's on the first base side. I would like to get umpires who were on the first base side for those games where there's 30 to 40 bangs of a trash can and go, You didn't notice that? You didn't police it? You didn't walk over and look at the manager and go, why are you guys banging trash cans only when you guys are up? What's going on here? You realize it's the umpire's job to police the play and everything that goes on on the field and in the dugout. That's why if you're chirping in the dugout about balls and strikes, they throw you out. They police the dugout, just not the grass, just not the turf. They police the dugout, too. They have the right to go over there and question what's going on in the dugout. They are in control of baseball. When the game is played, like today, if the A's were banging on trash cans and they're in the third-base dugout, the home plate umpire, they have the ability to walk over and say to Bob Melvin, why are you guys making this noise? But they didn't. So if I'm an umpire, these guys showed me up, made me look bad. And I wish people would talk more about that. But just stop with the whole, um, the umpires are against the A's. Come on. The A's have likable players. The A's don't have Manny Machado. Okay? The A's don't have Alex Rodriguez. There there are villains in the sport. The A's are not villains. And by the way, this whole talk about fighting, these guys are so soft. I mean, come on. You know who's not soft is Ramon Laureano. And I love the story of Chad Pender. Can we play some Chad Penders here? You know, somebody has got to step up and be a leader somebody has to say, I don't want to go home. Somebody. And that somebody yesterday was Ramon Laureano. And he gave the team a spark. And after the game, Chad Pender talked about it. Here's Chad Pender on his home run and how Ramon Laureano got him all fired
6: up. Oh, it was awesome. I mean, you know, right before that inning, uh, Ramon, Ramon got everybody up and got everybody fired up just saying this wasn't it. You know, we kind of talked yesterday about how the momentum, you know, when we score, it seemed like they scored back and and, and punched us back and we hadn't been able to respond and Ramon kind of nipped that in the butt. And uh, you had an incredible at bat by Simi and then another great at bat by Tommy and, uh, you know, put us in that position. Just, it was, it was awesome.
1: And I know, I know that you don't want to hear about the Giants. I get it. But, Cody, doesn't this remind you of Hunter Pence in Cincinnati?
4: Oh, 100%.
1: Right? Hunter Pence is like, I love you guys. I don't want to go home. I don't. And the Giants end up winning and not being eliminated and winning the World Series. It reminds me of Hunter. And it's made Hunter Pence, you know, he, it's, he, he's going to be a guy that, you know, he was, I don't think statistically was a great giant, but he'll be remembered as a great giant because of that. It's moments like that that make your legacy. And Ramon Laureano, what he did was something really, really special. That's called leadership. It's why I didn't care that he ran at the Astros dugout. He's a tough guy. And I don't care if he's not having a good series. Ramon Laureano just may have changed the series and had nothing to do with his bat or his glove. Here, one more on Chad Pender on what Ramon said to fire up the squad.
6: Yeah, it was in between innings. You could kind of just feel like when we got into the dugout, the energy was down again, kind of get that same like line feeling. And uh, Ramon was having no part of that. He was having absolutely no part of that. And, um, you know, I won't go into too much depth on what he said, but it, along the lines of this ain't, it. this ain't over, this ain't our last game, um, and we're not going to let it be our last game we've gone through too much and had too many good things happen throughout the season and to leave here, you know, getting swept and we just got to keep getting to the next day. And that's, that's kind of, kind of what I got from it with uh, you know, Ramon's intensity tangled in there a little bit.
1: Love it. Can't say enough about it. Ramon Laureano set the tone when he rushed their dugout. And now he's setting the tone again in game three. We don't want to go home. I don't want this to end. That, that's the mentality you have to have. And finally, you put a little doubt into Houston's minds. Think about if they lose today. The script is completely flipped. That's the thing. When you win 2-0 and you're like, well, the percentages are with you, and then you lose two, it puts the pressure solely on them. The pressure's on them. When you're in an elimination game and you're about to get eliminated, you've got nothing to lose, right? If you lose, you go home. You beat them today, and you put all the pressure on the Astros. What have they got for Game 5? Christian Javier? Really? He's got multiple options, including Chris Bassett. Coming up next... We'll have the general manager of the Oakland Athletics, David Force, right here on Ace Cast Live.
9: Hi, this is Ramon Loriano.
3: And
1: the throw is gonna be in time at the plate.
3: Laureano firing a strike all the way on
6: the line. And you're listening to Ace Cast, your 24-7 destination for Ace Baseball.
1: That's the guy, Ramon Loriano. Firing up the troops. They live to fight another day. That's what it's all about. And we're getting ready. uh, Game three between the Braves and the Marlins down in Houston. And your COVID-19 Marlins, Cody, are uh, on the brink here. But they're the home team today. They better get it going. Yesterday was a 2-0 loss. Two solo home runs. Was all the bravos needed? And uh, how you feeling today about about your uh, your COVID nineteen Marlins?
4: Well, Sixto Sanchez is pitching, who's like the second. People think he's the second coming of Pedro Martinez. That's a lot of it's a lot of pressure on a kid that does throw 100 miles an hour, but he's 22 years old. So I think they can get it done and push it to Game Four in Houston.
1: Well, that's a funny thing. Pedro didn't throw a hundred. This kid throws a hundred, but Pedro is truly one of the greatest pitchers of all time. It's now time for the David Force show here on A's cast and A's cast live. How's your stomach feeling, David? Cause I got to tell you, mine has just been in knots for a, a, well over a week now.
9: Yeah. I, I would imagine mine feels pretty much like most of the people who, who watch your, or listen to your show. Cause I feel like I thought Control as they have over the last three days.
1: I I mean, it's it's so crazy. Like when we reference something from, like, like even just the A's being back at Dodger Stadium against the Dodgers, all of that seems so long ago because we've had such intense games. And I know when you're watching this, I mean, isn't it crazy? These games are so intense that you don't even notice. There's not even fans there.
9: Uh, No, you don't. I mean, yeah, it's there's so much going on on the field and uh there's so it's so intense um yeah just god i could imagine what it would be like to have to have had fans over the last three days it's really a shame but uh no it's been it's been intense yeah, the, the white Sox series seems like it was a month ago also
1: you know you've mentioned it ball goes far team goes far teams are 19 and one now <laughs> when they out homer the opposition and I just think like every single time you get the feeling, whether it's the Astros or the A's every single time the ball goes in the air, it's going out of the ballpark.
9: It feels that way. Yeah. I mean, trust me, being in the ballpark, um, anytime the ball goes up in the air, you're, you're just, you're holding your breath because you think it might just carry out. And, and luckily yesterday it did for us more than for them, but uh yeah, I don't know if it's if it's the, the hot air or we we ran into a batch of 2019 baseballs or what, but yeah, it's been crazy.
1: I almost want to take him out to the golf course for God's sakes.
9: <laughs> yes, exactly.
1: You know, when your back is against the wall, we've seen in the history of baseball where certain guys—you don't know if they're the leader or not—but they just they they they. They they take that role and Ramon Laureano did that for your club yesterday. Where it's basically, I don't want to go home. We're better than this. We're gonna win this game. We're gonna keep battling. What does it mean when a guy? You know, leaders are made. Uh, they're not made. They're born. Uh, just talk about how Ramon Laureano stepped up yesterday for your club.
9: It's pretty, it's pretty great to hear. And, and I heard about it the same way you and, and fans did. I heard Chad's uh, interview on on MLB Network talking about Ramon firing the guys up. I mean, it's this is, you know, not, not to, again, make this about me, but it, it's been really weird to not have access to the clubhouse and the, the, the guys and the manager. Like, I, I'm out there watching like everybody else, and, and it got me fired up to hear that Ramon did that uh, in the seventh inning.
1: So, just take us through, like, your communication. So, are you having to do, like, I don't know if you guys use Ring Central or Zoom or whatever. So, when you talk to Bob Melvin, you're normally in his office. You can't be in his office. you got to do it through a computer?
9: Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's been that way most of the year, to be honest. I mean, there are only a couple times where I went in the clubhouse at home just because. So, yeah, any communication we've had since, you know, basically in the last two weeks, has been via text or phone. Uh, we had one, we had one zoom call I think before the White Sox series, but yeah, it's, it's all electronic at this point.
1: Is it easier taking on someone like the Astros and from just a standpoint of, of preparation than like the White Sox, because you didn't see the White Sox, but you know, all about the Astros.
9: Without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, we, you know and we thought there was a good chance we were going to play the Astros in the first round, so we had had most of the advance work done. you know, never mind the fact we saw them ten times during the season, but we had most of the advance work done so that that made for a lot easier communication um, and we there are uh, there are a few baseball operations employees who are part of the bubble and are on the inside and able to meet with uh, with emo and and Darren Bush and go over stuff but um, so, you know, in talking to Bob before this series, you know, we basically said, hey, we know these guys pretty well.
1: So Frankie Montas, his last start of the season looked good. He came in relief. Uh, his rhythm looks better. He's working faster. He, he works. Uh, he looks more comfortable out on the mound. What have you been seeing with Frankie?
9: I've seen exactly that. Like you said, his start against the Mariners on the last day of the season was outstanding. Uh, 13 punch-outs, I think he had. And then you know, he came in out of the bullpen against the Sox, which is something he hasn't done in a while. Looks very comfortable uh, through strikes. You know, he gave up gave up a run on basically what was a, a well placed ground ball by Bizarro, but otherwise uh, he looks he looks really comfortable, and I think everybody feels really good about sending him out there today.
1: Yeah, it's been kind of crazy in these two series. There's just been ground balls that have beaten the shift. That if you played it straight up, they would have been probably easy out. You know, when you view the shift versus the play straight up how tough is that when you see some of those ground balls, it's just like it can kinda of be frustrating.
9: It, it can be in the moment, but I, you know, we take a long view and I think our I think our guys have done a great job this year, uh, with the defensive positioning and you know, you at this point you you take for granted when a lefty hits the ground ball in the short right field and it's an out. Uh, you take those things for granted. You don't remember those as much as you know, as now you do when a ball goes through a, a spot where you expect someone to be. So, um, yeah, it, it can be frustrating. I think our pitchers have done a great job of understanding what the alignments are. And, um, you know, more times more times than not, we're, we're getting it right.
1: So we've talked to you about Liam Hendricks and just what he's been doing this postseason. Uh, I know how high you are on him. He's a special guy, so much on the field as much off the field. But just, I mean, what your thing with Liam Hendricks, how do you put it into words?
9: It's hard. It's hard to, I mean, you know, there wasn't an opportunity for him in the first two games. So you knew, you knew all Bob wanted to do was get to a spot yesterday where he could have Liam impact the game. And it came in the seventh, he kept us in it. And then as soon as we went ahead, you knew there was no way Liam was coming out of that game. So it's, it's a a real luxury for a club to have a guy like that, who, um, you know who's not your traditional one-inning closer who has started, who's done other things, who's pitched multiple innings, uh, and a guy with as much passion and is and who cares as much as Liam. It's been it's been an incredible thing for this team to have.
1: I don't know who the first pitching coach was who uh, discovered how long pass will help you with your strength and your durability. But the fact that Liam does that every single day, I know people will call my show, David, and they'll be like, he's not going to be able to go tomorrow. I go, yeah, he can. He'll take the ball every single day. Yeah,
9: he he will. I mean, let's let's hope uh, hope we don't need him today and tomorrow. But if we do, uh, he's ready to go. So, yeah, like you said, the long toss program is great. And just, you know, a guy who keeps himself in great shape and, and cares a lot about his craft.
1: You know, one thing that a lot of people don't talk about, but you're doing all this with rookie catchers. I don't know how many times that's ever really happened in Major League Baseball, where you're going through a playoff run, and and the guy that's so important behind the dish is going to be a rookie.
9: Yeah, well, again, you, I mean, you, you talk about things that feel like they were decades ago. I and mean, back in spring training 1.0, there was a lot of talk about whether we could go into the season with these rookie catchers and how it was going to affect us. And we, you know, we said back in February that uh, we had a lot of confidence, particularly in Murph, but also in Hyman Allen. And, um, and they, they've showed up all season long. I mean, Jonah's done a great job back there. I think yesterday um, it was the first or two days ago it was the first time he hadn't caught Manaya in a while, but he did a great job with Sean all year. And, um, you know, for Bob, who, you know, catcher himself, who, who put so much time into that position, for him to have the confidence he does in Murph really
1: says a lot. How much of these other games are you watching?
9: Uh, I've seen a pretty fair amount. <laughs> yeah, I mean, other, other than kind of the end, end of the Braves-Marlins the last two days when our game was starting, I, I've seen just about everything.
1: I mean, we just had Buster Olney on, and he was talking about a report where supposedly in the bubble, Mike Byers ran into a couple Astros players. I guess there might have been word the whole thing about everybody playing in division. And we we know that in all four series, none of these teams like each other. I I, I think it's fascinating.
9: Yeah, it's, it's certainly familiarity breeds contempt in a lot of these cases, and I. And I, I I don't know anything about that fires thing. Again, I'm I'm not on the inside right now. So uh, if Buster says it, usually there's something to it. But yeah, I mean, you see it in the Padres Dodgers series. These guys don't like each other. And uh, I mean, Acuna has been hit more times than remote, it feels like, just by the Marlins. So um, yeah, it's it's made for great theater. And I I don't think they knew they were going to end up with all these divisional rivals in the division series. But it certainly is made for good television.
1: I know you're not going to tell us, but you can maybe give us a hint. When today, if it was me, I'm, I'm throwing Chris Bassett out there to see how much he can give me. Would, you, would is, it potential? is it potential if there is a game five, Chris Bassett could be taking the mound lead off?
9: I think it's fair to say if there's a game five that everybody is a candidate. Um, we'll see how many pitches Frankie throws today, and maybe he's the one guy you rule out. Um, but yeah, if there's a Game Five, there's no doubt it's going to be all hands on deck. So um, my, my saying Chris Bassett would be an option is not going to be news because everybody, everybody's going to be an option. Um, so we'll look. Hopefully, we're lucky enough to get there, and we'll see how it plays out.
1: David, uh, it, it's been fascinating. It's been fascinating entertainment. It's been, it's been, a, it's been an absolute roller coaster ride. But I know, A's fans, we would love. We've loved every minute of it. Good luck today. Hopefully game five. And then uh, we'll talk next week and uh, down at Petco Park.
9: All right. Sounds good, Chris.
1: The David Forrest Show right here on A's Cast and A's Cast Live. Win today and all the pressure moves into their dugout. All the talk about four straight LCSs. All the talk about can you win. It all falls. Who are you going to start? How are you going to handle it? I mean, the A's got a bunch of starters. You got Fires. You've got Minor. I'm pretty sure they'll lead off with Bassett. Today, what's so important about today is obviously a win, because if you don't win, you go home. But what's so important about today is getting some length out of Frankie. Because five out of six games so far, they have not gotten length out of their starters. And you can say the bullpen looks tired. You can say whatever. If you could get six and you don't have to use Liam for an extended amount of time, that's like best case scenario. I mean, I just can't expect a blowout, can't call a blowout where, you are you know, you're smoking them and you don't even have to use Liam. I just don't see it going that way. I think Liam will have to enter this game today. And I think Liam's going to have to enter the game tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. You lose, you got the rest of the offseason. You can rest all winter. If Liam's got to come in for two today. He's got to come in for two today. He's built for it. He's a bull. Liam, as the t-shirts now say. But he is so vital to the success of this team. You know, the fact that he didn't pitch in the first two games, he knew he was going to pitch in this game. My body clock and my I, – I, I, where are we? What time – when are we done?
4: We are done at 11.25 today. So we still got about 10 minutes. And you're right about Liam.
1: When, when, when we, yesterday we went to win. At the same time. Oh, it was the same time?
4: Yeah, because pregame uh, total access started yesterday and today uh, at uh, will be starting at eleven forty. First pitch. Can I let you in on a secret?
1: Can I let you in on a secret?
4: Um, it's a secret for everyone now since we're we're
1: live. We're live. I didn't keep score yesterday. Too nervous. Just I just I just you know what I'm just gonna watch the game. I'm not gonna keep score. So gonna have to do that again today.
4: Wait, dare we? Say- still,
1: uh, the, the last game I kept score. Uh, Houston won five to two. Valdez with the win. Manaya with the loss. I say, like, right?
4: Dare, dare we say the A's are one and zero, oh and you don't keep score?
1: I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm not. But <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not gonna bust it out. The only game I didn't keep score all year long was yesterday, and uh, I'm not gonna do it today. Can we hit with runners in scoring position? For God's sakes. What was that, 0 for 25? Was that for the entire postseason or just this series with two outs?
4: Uh, I think it was the postseason, I thought he said. You're talking about Hembo's stat,
1: right? We only got one hit with two outs. Not one? We're We're four for 26 with runners in scoring position. The last three years, so that's New York, home against Tampa, White Sox, and now Astros. That's four, so there's two Two wild card games, a wild card series, and an ALDS were four for 36 with runners in scoring position. I mean, seriously. Stop it with just the solo home runs. Can we get some hits with people on base? Let's go. Make some freaking contact. The general manager just realized, just. Did we run into a batch of 2019 balls? <laughs>
4: <laughs> that was pretty funny. I was laughing when he said that.
1: It is kind of scandalous, man. Well, These go- baseballs are different than the baseballs we were using for the 60 games.
4: Well, and look at the balls we used for the postseason last year. Completely different than the, the balls that we were using in the 2019 regular season. Where the we had the Twins set the record for most home runs in a season. The Yankees were right behind them. The Dodgers were right there. The A's were right there. The Astros. We saw a bunch of teams had a lot of home runs last year, and this year we only had one team. This is crazy to say. We only had one team hit 100 home runs this year, and it was the Dodgers, and then the White Sox had, what, 90, 96, I think, to lead the AL. So, Hey,
1: the arrogance of the Astros – like they run it if they, if if what happened happened, Buster's saying it, so I believe it. If they run into Mike Fires in this hotel and they start chirping, I would love to be there and go, wait a minute. This just shows how arrogant you guys are. You actually thought in a in a sport where players change teams constantly, you thought you would cheat and no one would say anything? Oh, we're teammates. You left him off the the playoff roster. You think he's going to be loyal to you? You're that arrogant that you think in a sport where people change teams all the time, that when people leave and they go to these other teams and they're playing against you, they're not going to talk about what you were doing? You honestly, oh, it's a code. A code? My, you know what. That's just how arrogant you are. And that's why if you want me to believe they only did it in 2017 with this kind of arrogance, there's no way they didn't do it in 2018 and there's no way they didn't do it last year. So whether there's something in their helmets or there's a buzzer on the chest and Altuve doesn't want to take off his jersey and then he wants to totally change and come back out and do a TV uh, interview, you guys are so guilty and arrogant; it's unbelievable. All right, let's do buying or selling. It's
3: time for buying or selling. Sell, so sell! Right now with Chris Townsend on Ace Cast Live.
4: All right, so one of the things we loved about the major league Se- major league baseball season in 2020 and going into the postseason was the 16 team format for the postseason now it has the tournament kind of feel to it and it's very exciting now of course the older generation doesn't like it they probably just want the division winners to be in it and eliminate the wild card game as well so just pretty much the lcs and then the world series but ken rosenthal wrote last week that we might not ever see the 16 team postseason again the labor discussions likely to start after the world series as the cba expires uh, at the end of the 2020, at the end of the 2021 season, so he's saying likely after the World Series they'll start discussing that. But Rob Manfred says Major League Baseball prefer 14 teams instead of a pandemic only 16, and greater incentive incentives for division winners than mere home field advantage in a first round best of three. Ken also wrote earlier in September that many players opposed the 16 team playoff expansion. Buying or selling, we will never see 16 teams in the postseason again.
1: Selling. You you, you you can't the two the toothpaste is out of the tube more playoff games means more money means more it's just it's everybody's kidding themselves you want to go back to you're trying to tell me you you name me a postseason that you can remember that's been more exciting than this
4: I really can't name one.
1: I am so over and I'm so over the old school and they don't want to be like other sports postseason expanded postseason works did it work in the NFL
4: yeah and they're doing it again this year
1: did it work in the NBA uh yeah I'd say so so I, I you know the people who come, you know, it's funny. It's the people who complain are also the people who never pay to go to games. Have you ever notice that?
4: That's also true.
1: Yeah. It's the people who get paid. They're not actual fans who pay to go to games. They're people who get paid by teams. They're the ones that complain. It's, it's unbelievable. to me.
4: So, Francisco Lindor is one of the most exciting players in baseball. He did have a down year in 2020, and the Indians were eliminated early in the postseason. Now, he's been the subject of trade rumors all year long and spoke about it last week. It's not a surprise. It makes sense. It is what it is. You can't cover the sky with one hand. It makes sense. It's the reputation the organization has. It is what it is. On the other hand, I can't control the future. I can't control moves like this when he was talking about what happens with him going forward. He also said the Indians could meet his asking price since they are a billion-dollar team when it was suggested that COVID-19 could have a negative impact on long-term contracts, Lindor said, "Did you just see MLB just signed a $3 million or $3 billion TV contract? Buying or selling Francisco Lindor will be traded this offseason."
3: Hmm.
1: I'm going to have to sell. And the reason why is I'm not sure what the is going to look like. Until we kind of get the, I believe he's going to get traded. I just don't know if the off season is the time to do it. You know, when when are you going to get the best? Ba- and, and trust me, I could. I, I don't know. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. When is the best time to trade somebody like that? Where are you going to get the biggest haul? Is it going to be in the off season? Is it going to be during? We don't even know what the season's going to look like. It might be hold on to him and then trade him because what happens during a season? People get hurt. People want to improve their teams. Teams get more desperate. Teams can be more desperate in season than in the offseason. So I don't know. So that's, I'll just have to sell. I could be wrong. We could be traded before. We don't even know if there's going to be a winner meetings.
4: Yeah, that's true. Sorry, last one. mob.com did an article on the greatest moments of the division series. They had to double by Edgar Martinez as the number one play, which happened on this date in 1995 against the New York Yankees. Jose Batista's bat flip was number two against the Rangers. Uh, the flip play by Jeter against the A's was three. But Roy Halladay's no-hitter was number four. Well, 10 years ago, Roy Halladay no-hit the Reds in the division series. He walked one batter. That was Jay Bruce in the fifth inning. He struck out eight as well. It's only the second no-hitter in playoff history behind Don Larson's perfect game. In the World Series in 1956. Buying or selling Roy Halladay's no-hitter is the greatest moment of the division series.
1: Uh, I'm selling. Some people believe that King Griffey Jr. scoring and beating the Yankees helped save Seattle and the Pacific Northwest. I don't you know, think that. C- there There's certain cities that don't value professional sports like others. You know? They lost the Supersonics. I mean, Raiders are in Vegas. Warriors are now in San Francisco. You know, I mean, franchises have moved. So I I, I think what they did solidified. You know, certain teams have had certain runs and solidified their homes. Uh, say uh, what's it now? T-Mobile, uh, Safeco though they built Safeco. They got the votes for that. You could say the run in 98 for the Padres when they played the Yankees in the World Series got the vote for Petco Park. Certain moments in franchise's history, like what would a World Series run do for the A's in Oakland? I mean, Oakland's lost two sports franchises. Just walked out the door. What what would a run right now do for getting a new ballpark in Oakland? I'd have to think it would greatly improve the chances that it would happen because people get route rally- communities rally around winners it's just a reality so i'll take the seattle mariners over doc holiday the new hall of famer
4: all right so uh what are we playing here we're going to play commissioner rob manfred from yesterday Who? leading into ace total access with you at 11 40 so that's what's up next the commish rob manfred Robbie our good friend Robbie he, he is Robbie now move over Robbie Grossman Robbie Manfred is on the phone <laughs> ah,
1: great work today Cody all right it's winter go home there there is losing is not an option A's gotta get a win we'll see you in a few minutes for A's total access
3: this has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.